What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's Royal Visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. Latest episode of the Hey Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, part of the Roto Fanatic Podcast Network. Go to rotofanatic.com right now and check out Phil Goyette's Climbing the Rookie Ladder. He keeps you up to date on hitters and pitchers. And who doesn't love prospects? All of it is available, plus so much more, at rotofanatic.com. That's episode 98, the year Michael Govier graduated high school. You're in for some fast company today. This show is a doozy because it just about covers every damn thing you could talk about on planet Earth. You know him from MLB Network, Pitcher List, and so much more. He's an Orioles aficionado, and he loves cigarettes. Let's give it up for the one and only Alex Fast. Join your host, Christopher Deary and Michael Govier, as Alex takes them to the brink of insanity on a very special edition of the Palazzo Pod. Sure, they're going to cover fantasy baseball. They're going to give you name that runner-up fab bid, the game show everybody loves. Plus, I've made a huge mistake. And Enrico's Inquisition. But that's just the beginning of this legendary episode. Alex Fast is a unique individual who was hilarious, poignant, and gave us the stroke of good luck to bring us another no-hitter in real time. That's right, Corey Kluber's no-hitter was happening right as we recorded this episode. So you get a live call of Kluber's no-no, plus so much more. If you love everything about life, then you're gonna love this episode. Take it away, boys! Double to the right. 
everybody. It's 10.02 p.m. technically on the East Coast. We apologize. We did say 10 o'clock p.m., so in a sense, we have let you down. But I promise that we're going to make up for it on today's show. It's the Hey, It's Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, part of the Rota Fanatic Podcast Network. And, of course, we have a guest today, but I'm Michael Govier, MJ Govier, G-O-V is in Victor I-R on Twitter, with my pal Christopher Deary, C. Deary, 1999. Deary, as in dearly beloved, not the hoofed antler-ridden asshole that crashes in your car all the time. Deary, are you ready for today's guest? I'm ready to roll, man. I'm excited for tonight. A little late start, which is great. We haven't had a 10 p.m. start in a long time, so I'm stoked for tonight. we got a fantastic guest on, as usual. We sure do. Ladies and gentlemen and everybody in between, you know him, you love him, you've seen him on television, you've heard him on podcasts, you read his work as well with Pitcher List. He's known for pitching. I assume it's fair to say that. I mean, I bet he knows a thing or two about hitting, even still. Hey! Hey! It's Enrico Palazzo! Enrico Palazzo, guess who's here? It's Alex Fast. Welcome in, Alex. You are live. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you doing the later start. This makes my life very easy. You're so accommodating. I have watched this podcast from afar. Sometimes I went, you know, if I can't have my second afternoon coffee or if I, you know, I can't, you know, I, I want to stay up a little bit later. I'll just take a shot of the Enrico Palazzo podcast. Keep me up for another hour or two. I love it. Damn. That actually is that's outstanding. And I'm not just saying that because you're here. That was that'd be so cool if people actually listen to our podcast to get inspired and get like more energy. That would be fantastic. I, I watch your that. cooking your cooking videos to get more energy. I've watched you fried chicken <laughs> and conjure up more energy than the Baltimore Orioles have put into a game in the past ten years. Okay. You know, I do owe us a chicken video, that's fair to say. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much. To Alex Fast for being here, of course, you can follow Alex Fast on Twitter at AlexFast8. That is numero ocho. I got it. I did it. Ocho. That's right. I know my first 10 numbers in Spanish. I could do 11 even. Is it once? Mm-hmm. Once. Yes. I am on day 178 of my Duolingo Spanish streak, so I can at least say that confidently. <laughs> you literally, 178 days, you've said some Spanish words at some point. 178 days. It is my goal to be able to interview a player in Spanish by the end of the year. I will likely oh. fail, but uh, it's okay. I'm going to fail at a lot of things in life. At least I'm giving it a shot. Some people <laughs> had goals in the last year during quarantine, and Alex is one of them. Myself and Govier, it was start a fantasy baseball podcast, and that's about it. You're doing better than I am at mine. <laughs> Do you wait? You, I mean, your podcast is, I think of you like uh, the daily podcast, the picture list podcast. Like, that's what yeah. I think of the most. Yeah. I, when I think of me, I think of just a lot of failure and, and awful. <laughs> <laughs> what did I think of me? Yeah. yeah Get in uh, front of the mirror every day and think about all the mistakes I just, you've made. I wake up, I look in the mirror, I put the mask on, and then before I go to bed, I take it off, you know? And then you turn <laughs> on the TV on and you're on the TV. Out your fault. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Well said. Well, it's great to have Alex here, of course. We are the Hades of Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We're going to talk about a host of issues, including fantasy baseball. We'll talk about who's on the mend in Return of the Mac. Our catch of the day, Alex has somebody he'd like to share with you. We're going to cover Spencer Turnbull through a no-hitter, and we happen to do a show the next day. Sure, it's a 24-hour news cycle, and things move quickly. But that's great news. I mean, Deary, we got to talk about it on Clubhouse, which is a <laughs> place where... It, what, you're laughing because it was such a failure for you? But you got on! You never gave up. 
took me a half hour to get on. Something was going on with my Android. I had to restart it, and then I was able to get on. It was great. We had five or six people in the room. Got to talk Detroit sports and, and Detroit Tigers after the Turnbull no-no last night. So it was a good time. Yeah, we got to do that last week, Alex, when we hung out with the Dingers guys, and they did their uh, kind of talking baseball, inspiring baseball. What do you think of Clubhouse? Do you think it has – I mean, clearly it's got potential, but do you enjoy it as a format? Um, do I enjoy it as a format? I feel like I'm such a, a an old fogey when it comes to new formats. Like, I it, it, where it takes me a while to be like, yeah, this is pretty fun. I don't, I have nothing negative to say about it. You know what I mean? I don't think there's any like in my experiences with it. I've never been like, oh, this is awful. I'm never gonna do this again. I think I'm struggling to see the utility and the purpose. But I, I can be swayed. I can be swayed. Wow, that's intense. I uh, gotta tell you. It is kind of hard for me to get on there. I feel like it's a whole ordeal. I, I feel like people pop in on that thing all day long because there really is an ease of access where you just sneak into a combo and then get the hell out of there. But I find myself being more committed with like, I just couldn't half-ass pop in. I got to say something maybe. And then it's a whole half hour, hour of my time. I, I don't know. It's interesting. I will say that it does have some curious potential and opportunities in the marketplace. Definitely. But I'm not shitting on you, Clubhouse. Total respect to you and all the people that love it. Uh, all right. So, yeah, we're going to talk about all that fun stuff today. Well, of course, we'll put Alex inside Enrico's Inquisition. We'll get to know Alex beyond baseball, which, you know, he's not shy about talking about. Anyways, if you follow him on Twitter or anywhere else in the world, you do know that he had an acting career that he tried to make happen. And he is very, very self-deprecating when it comes to that. And we'll talk more about things like that. And we'll learn more about music. He was actually, do you guys know this? I believe this is correct. You were the original. First guess on Al Melchior's You Mean an Album? Is that true or the third I guess? was. I was. Yes. I was the very first. Yeah, I believe I was the very first guest. And we started with a Seagull Rose album. And, and I, man, <laughs> Melchior in and of himself is just a man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I could talk music with Melchior all the time. But, like, I was like, Al, like, you really want your first episode to be about, like, this esoteric Icelandic <laughs> band with, like, <laughs> that sings in a made-up language? Like, all right, let's do it, dude. There's only like a handful of people in the world that know Cigaros. And but Al there is, is a lot more one of them. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> there is a lot of people who know about Tears for Fears, and I appreciate that shout out because I love Tears for Fears. Uh, we are both big fans here, uh, me and Deary, Deary's wife. A lot of us, we're big 80s aficionados. We love music, and Tears for Fears is always on the playlist. And Cigaros would be. It's just not something that you... <laughs> Throw on not, the playlist. You're not dancing no, around and doing karaoke to Cigaros. Yeah, there's no like quick sound clip of a Cigaros song. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, there's no way to encapsulate them in like two seconds. Yeah, no, right. exactly. <laughs> That's, oh wow. Okay, we'll talk more about that, of course, in the show. So we're really excited to have Alex here, and we're even gonna bring back Insane Fantasy Takes, which we haven't done in a long time. But I figure, why not take a chance at it? And we'll play Name That Runner Up Fabid, everyone's favorite game show. It's dumb. It's pointless. But is it? Mm, think about that. <laughs> Maybe you will learn something. All right. Well, let's get into the Belvedere music. Uh, do you know Mr. Belvedere? Are you a fan? Or... <laughs> no, I don't know this. Well, Street Mr. Belvedere, the show? No, oh, yeah. yeah. No, you, you didn't see this. I mean, I, I don't exactly know how old you are. You're 32, 33 in my Jesus here. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Belvedere was a little bit before Alex's time, so that's we'll let that pass. But that's the housekeeping music we play here. We got to clean up. He was a house manager, a housekeeper, a butler, possibly. But they were a middle-class family. Bob Euchre and the crew, you know, they didn't 
They weren't rich, even though he was British and sounded very elegant. He was a he was like a part-time guy. He was like, I live here, and you don't. I don't think he made six figures at all. I do not think that. At all. Back then, too. Yeah, especially yeah, yeah. With inflation, maybe today, but maybe, but I highly doubt it. I'm not at sure rate, George was bringing in the big bucks to give him some dough. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even remember what George did. Oh my God, this is so dumb. Anyways, the point of playing the music is to say thank you to everybody. Bryce Wheeler, Weiler. Crap, I don't know. It's Bryce Weiler, W-E-I-L-E-R. Bryce is doing great work helping with the Orioles and improving. So this kind of this is just total chance that you're on the show, Alex. But Bryce is doing work, and I just met him the other day. I actually talked to him on the phone tonight for the first time, and he's helping them with uh, disabilities and improving all of their facilities and all of access for everybody because he is a blind person himself. So. I was totally impressed by this dude, and we're going to have him on the First Day Pod, which is a different podcast we do in a couple of weeks. But uh, I think uh, you should check him out. Everybody should check him out. Follow him at Bryce Wheeler, B-R-Y-C-E-W-E-I-L-E-R. Yeah, that sounds great. I got to check that out. That's awesome. Yeah, he's got a bunch of stuff going on, and uh, make sure you give him your follow. And uh, we got a few other follows to thank. Thank you, Hydrogen Bombs, H-Y-D-R-A. J-Y-N, Hydrogen, not even spelled like the liquor, interesting, Hydrogen Bombs, thank you for the follow, Daddy Shrek, Thick Boy Shrek, which is a great handle, Michael Dodson at Above All Roto, and Billy Goat at Fantasy Goat underscore, thank you all for the wonderful follows, it's great to have you guys as part of the Palazzo community, Uh, we don't really have like a community, I guess, uh, but we're growing, and we have people that enjoy spending quality time together through fantasy baseball and that does it for that uh alex tell me one thing about yourself that has nothing to do with fantasy baseball real quick just one thing and no acting either no acting either um okay great yeah i uh i love the uh new york review of books really obsessed (laughs) with the new york review of books I just think they they have provided we provided me with some of my favorite pieces of literature uh, in the past like decade. And anytime I see the spines, because they're very distinct spines in bookstores, I'm just that's I'm in heaven. That's all I want to do. That's like my ideal day is that. So I'm an ignoramus from the Midwest, although I did spend some time in Baltimore, as I've told you for a couple of years. But is this is a book that comes out annually or? So the New York Review of Books, per my understanding, was originally the book review for the New York Times, if, I, if I'm getting this correct. And then there was a um, a strike, but publishers were like, we still need to write about these books. They broke off from the New York Times, formed their own thing. And then since then, that was many moons ago, they've dedicated themselves to publishing books that have been either lost to history or underperformed at the time they were released because other major events were going on. And they give them these republishings and they're all over the world. Like they, 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 they just publish these books that are like just amazing, amazing stories. And it's, you know, maybe it's just the pretentious part of me that it's like, oh, this is a story that no one's ever heard of. <laughs> uh, but I, I do just kind of enjoy that they just have such a unique spin on the stories that they want to get out there and they also you can go online to their website and purchase like oh these are stories that are kind of unheard of from world war ii these are unheard stories from famous female authors that have been lost throughout time these are you know blah 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 and i just yeah some of my favorite books are from there i love it 
Is there really any stories we haven't told from World War II you still left? That's hard to believe. <laughs> there's like a they... there's a really actually uh, yeah, now you're gonna get me all nerdy out. There's two books that came out. One was Stalingrad and one was Life and Fate. And Stalingrad was written from the perspective of a Jewish soldier in World War II in Russia. And it was one of the greatest tellings of the Stalingrad battle in history, apparently, that got lost to time. Then his sequel, Life and Fate, is about his disenfranchisement with uh um russia as they became more communist um and it got banned and it was published posthumously because he was one of the first authors to speak ill of the soviet union and of russia so to see his journey in one lifetime from you know we did it we won one of the greatest battles in the history of the world in stalingrad to i'm really not in love with my nation anymore is amazing i just learned more in Five and a half seconds of Alex talking about Stalingrad and, <laughs> in Russia than I learned in like taking eight credits of U.S. American world history in college. Genius, genius, Incredible. Genius. Really, that was great. That was more than we you know, might have been one of the best answers we've had to the because we usually do the you know, tell us one thing not sure. related to fantasy baseball. It just stick clearly. But that was voluminous. Oh, a lot in such a small amount of time. Well done, sir. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate Kudos it. to him. Give it up to Alex. He's doing great work here. So, and actually, I'm going to check that out because, um, you know, I'm Jewish, too, and I'm obsessed with World War II. It just it's, If you're Jewish, you're going to be obsessed with World War II. It's just part of our DNA, I feel like, for a very legitimate reason, obviously. But at least I, as a history teacher, there's so many stories that you could find. And I think I don't teach anymore. I only taught for five years. But there are so many things like that that we don't know about. And you're right. I, I made a joke like, hey, it seems like every movie about World War II possible has been made. Every book seems to totally. have been written. But there's another story around the corner. Yeah, I'm with you. My dad's the same way. He's a huge history buff. Like his his library's filled with books about the Civil War. All he wants to do is read about World War II. And I feel the same way where it's like my, my brother always makes fun of him because he's like, you know, the you know, the end. <laughs> you, know how, you know how the story ends like what's the point dude uh but yeah i, I guess i got it. and That's i true. i don't really know a lot about it either so yeah uh and, and it's really awesome to see that people are interested in checking out the books too uh it's it's awesome my favorite the last thing i'll say my favorite my favorite is john williams his book stoner which is about a lonely cuckolded professor and butcher's crossing which is about um, when you go into nature, it's actually not as peaceful as you would think. It's actually chaotic and violent, and and it's an amazing story. Love. I think it. we got some book club ideas here. The Plaza <laughs> Book Club Club coming oh. at you, July yes. of 2021. Yeah, uh, you duped a lot of people. Leanne, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Yes, no, my girlfriend Leanne would love. I mean, we kind of focus. We do have a book club on the first day pod book club, but we focus on nonfiction stuff. But okay. either way, this is that's gold, gold, Jerry, gold. gold. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into uh, the first segment of the show, actually, although the show has begun. We like to call it Leading Off. All right, and leading off today, we do our standard procedure, the routine, as we like to call it. We get into our first catch of the day, and as I realize I say that, I uh, removed... My first catch of the day, drop. Damn it. Wow, why did I do that? I only have so many drops, so sometimes I have to make decisions drop quickly. Them. So, I, Yeah, I do. You're right. I have to drop the drops. That seems so obvious. I should have said that. <laughs> Damn it. Now I feel like I'm no good. Alex is making me feel like I'm not intelligent enough. Alex, come on. Take it down a notch. I'm the star of this show. You are the guest. 
My favorite magazine is Highlights. Um, I only <laughs> like books with fucking <laughs> <laughs> dentist highlights. office magazines. Yeah, oh exactly. yeah, yeah. That's exactly Goofus what I Gallup. think of, dearie. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> oh, it's terrifying. And this actually freaks me out because I don't like going to the dentist. But yes, Highlights was great. But speaking of highlights, we're way into John Gray. Your catch of the day. You actually teased this on Twitter before the show. That's excellent social media skills mixed in with a guy who knows what he's doing. Well done. What can you tell us about John Gray? What should we know? Is there anything to know? Yeah, what the heck is going on in there? It's a little bit interesting. I think he's one of those guys that because he's not necessarily having like a sub three ERA, we're not like absolutely blowing him up, but he does have the lowest ERA, I believe, of his career right now at 3.48. He's got a 3.93 FIP, which is much better than he's put up in the past couple of years. And he's also doing a little bit of like a lot of interesting things with this four seamer. I was looking into this with Michael Ahedo before. It's getting more arm side run and horizontal movement than it has ever before in his career. And he's actually inducing more weak contact with that four-seamer than ever before too a lot of people hear that and they flip a table and they go what about the road splits and it's actually the opposite he's actually crushing it at home with a two era over 36 innings pitched he's actually got a seven era on the road but only 12 uh, innings pitched so pretty small sample size there there isn't really a lot going on with that slider that's like whoa the swinging strike rate is better than ever before it's not necessarily the case the four-seamer swinging strike rate's never been great either but the wrc plus on the pitch is better than it's ever been before as well it seems like he made a tweak last year with that four-seamer and all of a sudden this year that tweak is starting to take hold a little bit. Michael Ahedo brought up a really interesting point about the release in terms of his extension. He's getting a little bit more extension than he did last year, um, if I remember correctly, but that lower arm slot is leading to some different movement on that four-seamer. So yeah, some interesting stuff going on here that I'm, I, I would like to keep my eye on moving forward with him. Holy cow. So I was really into that. I was looking forward to that because in my tag team league, where I run a team with Eric Cross, the prospect guru of all prospect gurus, the master of disaster. Nobody calls him. Um, <laughs> Corey, somebody just put in the Corey Kluber's got a no hitter through eight innings. And Who else? Who Are you fucking serious? <laughs> so, it's the guys. These guys. We have great, great followers and listeners to the show. And our buddy right here says, "Yep, check this out." Brian K. Rodgman, maybe the biggest fan of the Plaza Pod, says Kluber no hitter through eight, and it is. Just gone through my phone with a notification. Kluber, no hitter, developing, no, no, watch. And right, I was going to talk about Spencer text, let's, text, let's text the Yankee fan in the household and let her know. She's probably in bed already, but. <laughs> oh, well, you got to wake her ass up. Yeah, uh, Deary's wife, Christina, big time Yankees fan. She's actually a good person, though, so don't hold that against her, Alex. Do not slow your roll on her. You would love her. Trust me. You guys talk about tears for fears, talking heads all night long. It'd be great. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. But. This kind of I wanted to talk about Spencer Turnbull, and now I feel like they're taking the wind out of my sails. If, if there's another no hitter tonight, if Kluber closes this out because he's only got one inning to go, this would be kind of a kind of a buzzkill. I feel like we're being one up by the evil empire. Well, well I, I, I'd be actually curious to get your thoughts about on all these uh, on all these no hitters. What do you guys think about this? Well, Deary has a I think a kind of a unique opinion. Deary, say what you've said before about this because I actually what? started to warm up to it a bit. What is my unique opinion? You got to remind me. <laughs> I'm not sober on all of these casts. (laughs) You said, when I was excited about Carlos Rodon's no-hitter, and then I started ripping on the next no-hitter, which was On there being too many no-hitters, yes. John Means. I love John Means. Who doesn't love John Means? It's a great story. But, yes, you were saying, guys, they're not as uncommon as you think they are. 
Yeah, yeah, they've been happening a lot more in the last, you know, decade. I, I, you know, I wish I had the numbers in front of me, but the amount of no hitters that happened in the 80s compared, you know, 25, 30 years ago compared to now is so much different. We'd maybe get one a year, you know, two to three over like a four year span. And now they're happening, you know, all the time. They're not as uncommon. They're still incredible when they do happen. Uh, I, I think my take is a lot of people want to go straight to being, you know, the ball being changed and the ball effects. I think a lot more has to do with the, the what's going on at the plate with the hitters and their strategic plate discipline is just not there anymore. And it's a lot of swinging for the fences. Uh, there's not as many guys hitting for great average. There's not moving guys over. There's not, you know, shortened down your swing and taking it the other way. I think the shift has also played into a lot of, you know, the factors of players not being able to bat as good for an average. And, you know, that shift has changed a lot in the last five years. I remember like the Rays were like one of the first teams doing the shift. And now you got every single team is doing the shift. Sure. Some, some more than others, but they've been able to study these hitters so much more. So the shift has changed a lot of things, but I just don't think no hitters are as uncommon as they used to be, but I still think they're incredible. Like it takes a lot to throw a damn no hitter. Like you gotta be perfect. You got to be pretty close to perfect, and Spencer Turnbull certainly did it last night. Kobe, mm-hmm. what do you think? Uh, you know, I'd, I I enjoy. I think about the coming labor strife, and mm-hmm. I really keep thinking about. I call back to that, and I just try to cherish all the good moments. And I know that may sound like a lame cop out, but not I'm actually doing that right now. And I've I'm not always best at that. I've gotten better at it over the last few years. Trust me, but. A no-hitter is a no-hitter, and it's really hard to do. And the one thing that really struck me last night with Spencer Turnbull's no-no was when Jack Morris congratulated him on the air after the fact, you know, the shaving uh, shaving cream pie in the face. (laughs) That ruined ruined the interview. (laughs) You thought, oh, look. For about a good 15, 20 seconds. I'm like, come on, man. He's really getting into, like, some good emotional questions here. Baseball traditions and the rules and unwritten rules come first, my friend. Mm. But can, Jack we, can Morris, we talk about Larusa? <laughs> oh yeah, oh, boy, I would love to talk about that actually. But quickly, Morris got emotional in the air. He wasn't crying, sure but he, I could hear he sounded like he was gonna cry. like to take it before we started the show. He was verklempt, Alex. He was very verklempt, and verklempt. I gotta tell you, that made me feel even more uh, pride and gratitude and uh, appreciation for the moment. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really interesting. I mean, like, I, I definitely agree with you that we, 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 you know, it's not something that I think is rare as we originally had intended. But John, I think, you know, as the comment comes in, kind of hits the nail on the head where while it has been more frequent to get really what if he finishes this one, that is three no hitter chances in a week between a successful one last night, a successful one in theory tonight, and then Zach Plezak against Seattle last week, along with the other ones that have already occurred. I, I think this ball could be playing more of a factor than we realize. And also, I think sometimes, you know, there's a, there's a, a oh, go ahead, Govier. What were you going to say? No, no, no. Uh, you think it might be the ball then? You might, I do. I... Interesting. But we don't have do. enough evidence yet, right? So this is a we theory. We don't. Hypothesis. We don't. I mix up hypotheses and theories all the time. I think, I think society does. I think it's the quickest thing to say, and I'm not against it at all. I think it's going to take the whole year to figure out. And I think if we get to 15 no-hitters this year, 
Yeah. And then look deeper into kind of the analytics of, you know, batted balls in play and what's happening with them. Because there are still guys hitting home runs. It's still happening. They're not happening at a rate that they used to be over the last two years. And there are teams that are batting like 200. I think the Mariners dipped below 200 the other day as a team average. But yeah, yeah. Expound on that a little more of, of the ball, like because you think it is the ball, Alex. I I mean I I can't say definitively. Of course, he's two outs away. By the way, he got his first out. <laughs> on Char- Charlie Culberson. I'm going to keep track over here for us. Um, I think it definitely. You know, I'm looking at the things that have changed that could have theoretically led to this outcome. And I mean, in these small sample sizes that we've had so far this year, we've seen that. You know, even when we um, defined the sample as just April to try and normalize for weather, we've seen that it's not flying as much. That offense is really, really down. And I don't necessarily. Oh, that's lovely. I actually love this. I'm very. <laughs> is this, this, is, this is this is very lovely. I'm serious. Yeah, this is great. Is this allowed? Are we going to get shut down by MLB? No, we did this last year when um, Maeda, one of the twins guys, was throwing a no-no. It got broken up. Sadly, hope that doesn't happen here. But go ahead. I can't, Alex. I can't wait to get fired over this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you did what? Uh, no, they, they don't care. Um, yeah, it, it definitely could be a factor as well. I mean, also too, gosh, you got to feel for the Mariners. Two out of the three, you know, Means and Turnbull, and then the Plezak one would have theoretically been against them as well. Um, and then who are the other ones against? Who is Rodon against? Oh shit! The Indians. Watch that live. Was it Cleveland? You're right. It was. Yeah, Cleveland. I think it was. Cleveland's yeah, been hit twice Cleveland. too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Musgrove was against Texas for sure. I know that. Oh, what am I doing? Sorry. And now yeah. another one against Texas. So, like, it is. Oh, yeah. Really, there you go. <laughs> it is really interesting. I mean, but then again, everyone's using the ball, not just against the Mariners and against Texas. I will say the one thing I, I'm not really the biggest believer in victory laps. I think, you know, whatever it is, what it is. But I will say <laughs> the one tweet I am very proud of this year, which was when the Yankees signed Corey Kluber, it was I can't wait until Yankees fans get to know April Corey Kluber and then see what their reactions are. Oh, no, no, no. He's going to get there. He's going to get there. No, nice. Problem. Um, I can't wait to see what their reactions are in May because he's such a different pitcher. And I would mm-hmm. love to find all the Yankees fans who are yelling for him to be cut. And he's the worst contract and blah, blah, blah. It just cracks <laughs> me up. This is crazy, man. We're live here on the Palazzo podcast. For those of you listening to the podcast version, uh, we're sorry. We're streaming a no-hitter in progress right now by Corey Kluber, which may very well may have already happened. You're like, dude, who cares? That happened last night. But. That's what's happening right now. So we just want to keep you guys informed. And by the way, I think this is worth noting. He's at 99 pitches, so he's really been efficient. I will say that. That's what I got nervous about last night with Turnbull because he was upwards to like 108 pitches going into the ninth. And Morris even brought it up. They're like, well, if he gets to like 120, they might have to pull him. And I'm like, oh, God, (laughs) you're not pulling Turnbull in a no-hitter. I think we'd be remiss if Govier, if you didn't call this like an announcer, the no hitter, if it happens, like I would like to hear, I want to give you an opportunity to make this your no hitter announcer call. I'm happy to do it. Sure. Why not? All right. Here we I would go. love that. Okay. Uh, Willie Calhoun up over uh, three today at the plate. Here is the 0-1 pitch from Kluber swing and a ground ball to second base. This could be it. Folks, it's back-to-back nights as Luke Voigt closes the glove. It's another no-hitter. Two for the price of one. Two for Tuesdays. It's pandemonium in Globe Life Field. If you would have told me that That Turnbull and Kluber would throw no-hitters this year, I'm like, no way. I couldn't do that as well as I wanted to because I'm just, I'm so shocked that that just happened right now, too. I'm like, I'm trying trying to do that legitimately, and then I'm like, what? Another no-hitter? Again? 
They don't happen as much in high school ball. <laughs> I wonder if this is this. I would. I maybe they'll display something. I wonder if this is the first ever back to back no hitters, like back to back nights oh, with no hitters. That's a great trivia question. That's got to be. I, I mean, we all I, know the legendary Johnny Vandermeer, but yeah, back to back days by two different pitchers. Back to back days, regardless. Okay, well, we'll, we'll have the stream on this, but for some reason, I'm I sure feel like it's it. for some reason I feel like it's happened. It I don't have, know why though. Like in our it, lifetime too. It, it well may have for sure. Like um, I'm thinking, like uh, like Denny Martinez back in the early '90s. Like he threw one, and I want to say someone threw one. Like maybe the next day, or I don't know. I'm just making shit up. <laughs> Guys, look, Kershaw. <laughs> there you go, Brian. <laughs> Brian says Kershaw perfect through one. Hilarious. That is unbelievable. That's a perfect joke. Okay, so uh, we're absorbing this in the moment, which is kind of cool. We got Alex Fast on live with us, and. We just had a second straight no-hitter. Alex, what are your instant thoughts? I mean, it's a rare chance that we get you live on the show to actually be here for a real-time moment of back-to-back no-nos. What do you think? Well, it's great. So I immediately go to his baseball savant page here, and I see that his CSW was 38%, right? He got 12 called strikes on that curveball. He got 25 called strikes overall. Obviously, a majority of those coming off of the curveball. Also, a good night uh, with that curveball in terms of whiffs. In terms of that uh, strike zone plot, though, it, it kind of looks like a, a, a kid left a box of crayons out in the sun. It's just a bunch of different colors uh, melted all over the strike zone plot, which is kind of interesting to see. Um, I want to take a look and see. Uh, I, I don't know about the usage rates, um, but yeah, it seems like that curveball was just really, really working for him. Um, uh, as I spill my seltzer all over my computer, uh, ah! right? Oh, wait, oh, I got a drop for that. Here you go. Ah! Oh, thank you. There you go. Yeah. I, why would I do it when Gilbert Godfrey could do it for us? Oh my god, that was amazing. Um, <laughs> I want to take a look and see if he, no, it really doesn't look like he went to one pitch, uh, differently than he would before, but yeah, I mean, obviously he was. He 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 uh he dominated for sure. He definitely did, and kudos to him, Alex. You know, Kluber was shit on a lot, and like you said, the Yankees fans were going to jump on him early on, and they rightfully did, and so did fantasy owners. They bailed. There's a couple comments here about, hey, thanks for the uh, the Kluber pickup here. I'm enjoying it on my fantasy team tonight, so that's great news for Robbie Baseball. Kudos to your TGFBI yeah. team, buddy. Deary, what do you think of this? Come on. Another no-no. It it spoiled our Tigers like lone highlight, which has been a tough, tough to go as a Tigers fan too. I, I was trying to look up to see if there were back-to-back no hammer, no hitters. But the only thing I could find in the short time I was googling it is it happened to the same team in back-to-back games in 1968. <laughs> that sucks. Gaylord Perry threw one, and then some guy I'd never heard of Washburn threw one the next day. But Jared. Uh, yeah, Jared Wa- Washburn's like grandpa or something like that. That's Jared. Isn't that annoying? God, that is that, so annoying. No, I that's actually it. very impressive how quickly you got to that note and how well you held it, really. It speaks to the power of advertising, Alex. They're in our heads. They are in mm-hmm. our... At least they're in my head. That's for damn sure. Uh, oh, por favor in Espanol. Yeah, I wish I could have done that call in Spanish. I apologize. <laughs> uh, that would have been cool. But uh, <laughs> either way, congratulations, Corey Kluber. So he's... Clearly the catch of the day right now. He just threw a damn no hitter. But Spencer Turnbull deserves his due. So I don't want to move on without saying at least something positive about Mr. Turnbull. He's great. He's undervalued. His ADP coming into the season showed that people were like, well, you know, he's just kind of a, the Tigers suck. So he's a starting pitcher on the Tigers. And we're not going to really care about him too much. But he has enough value that he will be drafted at like, you know, 320-ish ADP 
350s, depending on the league type you were in. But I have him all over the place because he was cheap. And despite his COVID uh, diagnosis to start the mm-hmm. year, he bounced back and he was able to throw a no-hitter after the few, first few starts, which I think is pretty damn impressive considering how COVID really just puts people in the dirt for a while. I mean, not they don't kill them, just knocks them <laughs> on their ass. I didn't mean it like... It could, you didn't yeah, say underground. They just You're right, I did dirt, not say underground. Can't get up. Point being, Spencer Turnbull, Alex Fast, before he threw his no-hitter last night, what would you have said about Turnbull? I, I, I would say that he was an interesting by-low candidate. I mean, you can definitely look back to the game that he had before the no-hitter that he threw, uh, which was a, a really solid start for him, right? I believe it was against the Royals. He goes six and a third innings pitch for the one and run. No, I think it was no walks, uh, one walk and seven Ks. Yeah. Um, to me, it's always kind of been about pitch mix for him, right? I mean, he's been a guy where I think that slider has been a better pitch than people realize that it has been. I mean, it's actually been a really consistent pitch for him throughout his career, but he's kind of always settled at like a 20% usage rate. And this year he has amped it up a little bit. And I really love to see that. And that he represents something that I think is really interesting. That's happening with pitching right now, where we're starting to see the North South shift turn a little bit back to the old east-west shift days of uh you know infamy of greg maddox and everything i think we're starting to see sinker sliders where if we're not breaking up as much we're breaking out right dustin may was a great example of that before obviously he got shut down with the tommy john but there you know uh uh there's a lot of guys who are starting to now it does suck there's a lot of guys focusing on that especially you know Barton Smith would kill me if I didn't mention that there's a lot of seam shifted awake present in that two seamer that doesn't mean that it's a very good thing but it means that it makes it unique I'll say that yeah could I don't want to spend the whole show on that but could you expound on that just for a moment for people who are morons like myself or just ignorant on the subject naive to it how how would that be positive or negative real quickly the seam the seam shifted wake yeah. So the way that I like to put it is like seam shifted wake. It, obviously, there's a lot of new concepts that come into fantasy baseball. We find out about the new concept and we're like, that's the thing that I want to study. I want to get to know. I am extremely guilty of that as well. I learned what you know spin efficiency is. And now I want to pay attention to all the things that have spin efficiency. Seam shifted wake, you know, it, it, it breaks down a, a concept that has existed that we are now learning about and quantifying. So it's exciting to see where it's present. But because it's such a nascent term, because it's such a new part of the discourse even in my from what i understand even front offices are like dope we know what it is we don't know how to use it and we don't really know how to make more of it happen right yet right so the way that i like to put it is it can be a positive because it's unique but it can be a negative when you think about it in the entire grouping of an arsenal you know what i mean a pitcher isn't a pitch a pitcher is his arsenal if i have a lot of seam shifted wake present in a pitch but it exacerbates any poor qualities of my slider or of my curveball or of my changeup then maybe it's not a beneficial thing for me maybe it's something that i would like to hmm. deaden right but in the case of spencer turnbull maybe the movement that the seam shifted wake is leading to is bolstering the effects of the other secondary pitches. That's my little spiel. Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what we wanted. Thank you so much for that. And by the way, it was a little late, uh, you know, a little behind the times, but we did finally find it. So. Good. Our first catch of the day. There it is. First, there's your catches of the day. A little late, but we did it. So that segment is now over. You're listening to the Hands of Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We're talking live with Alex Fast. Follow him on Twitter at AlexFast8. That's numero 
Ocho. Number eight, numerical eight. And I am Michael Govier, MJ Govier. G-O-V is in Victor I-E-R on Twitter. He's Christopher Deary, C. Deary, 1999. Deary is in Dearly Beloved. If you are listening to the podcast, you are now hearing Mark Morrison. Not <laughs> you got Harrison. it right. Yeah, on a roll. Return on the man. Return on the man. Once again. <laughs> I don't know any of the words. He just goes. It's almost like we took the 90s vowels, like grunge rock singer, and put that into his voice, which oh is my a total God, disrespect yeah. to him. <laughs> Yeah, like all the marbles from Vetter's voice and put it into his. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Is it weird that Jeremy is my karaoke song? No, you kidding me? Me, love. I mean, I love it. I love doing that. You don't have to know any of the words. Oh, but I sadly know them all. You need the cadence. Oh, as do I. Well, you know, Deary is like a psycho Pearl Jam fan. You know? Well, yeah. Oh, I, last week they released 187 live albums from the last 20 years on Spotify, what? and I've been going through every single one of them over the last week because I'm a fucking Pearl Jam nerd. No, I'm gonna need a ranking of those. I'm gonna need at least a top 10. <laughs> give me, give me about four more days, and I'll be done with listening to all. Let's of them. go, baby. The worst part is when I was in college, I used to buy all of these like bootleg live Pearl Jam discs and spend like 30, 40 bucks on them. And now they're free on my Spotify that I pay 15 bucks a month for. (laughs) But you know what? There's no better joy than listening to it when you get it. You know what I mean? I was the same way with the Chili Peppers. Like, it's like when you finally find it, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Deary loves his Pearl Jam. So Jeremy's always a welcome, welcome song on this show but right now return to the max plane because we're talking about players on the mend or who will be called up who could benefit your fantasy teams in the now and uh, i put a list of players on the document for us to peruse we're not going to go into detail at all of them but uh i'll throw the names out and you know alex you can give me a quick thought on it uh opportunity pass who gives a shit deary whatever you guys think just tell me what's on your mind first guy donovan solano uh, i think he's officially back as of today alex any interest in uh, he's a hitter. <laughs> That's well said, Deary. I know you love him a lot. Yeah, I mean, he's. I love him. No, he's. I mean, he's 33 years old now. He had this amazing 2020 season where he added 326, was getting a bunch of RBIs, but of course that was over. 54 games. The guy's been a part-time player pretty much his whole career. Um, if anything, it's taken away from uh, Mauricio Dubon, who's probably going to go to the bench now. I mean, it's not like he is really killing the world right now either. But uh, Solano, sure, you might be able to stream him and uh, you know pick up a decent average over a couple of weeks, but I don't think he's a long, long-term option. I'll say this. Uh, uh, the... Giants are bizarre with their lefty-righty splits, and sometimes it feels like they are just fielding two completely separate teams on any given day. Uh, And that, to me, always... I definitely agree with all the points that you made about the skill set that's there. I want to see what role he settles into first before, um, before, you know, moving forward with him. They're becoming the puppet masters. Forget the Rays. I mean, they are taking these things to another level. They get every last inch out of a player all these players it's ridiculous they can have three all-star starting pitchers this year which blows my mind these are not guys that were highly sought after necessarily i mean maybe gossman was but alex wood gossman and tony disco good lord what the <laughs> hell? 
What do you make of that? I mean, you're the pitching guru. Quick, what do you make of those? The, the Giants know something that other people don't, or I, you know, I, I was wondering if that was going to be the case last year because I remember we started to see what they were doing with Kevin Gaussman, and a lot of people are like, "Yeah, but yeah, Kevin Gaussman's good because he just came from the Orioles." Don't forget, had a stop in Cincinnati, which was a little, you know, we thought was a pitcher. The gurus were there as well. And Atlanta, both of those teams weren't really able to do anything with him. Then he goes to San Francisco. He's finding some new velocity. He's really going fastball splitter all the time. Trevor Cahill last year had like a fantastic season with the Giants. I'm I'm starting to get curious about like maybe we're not giving that that organization the respect that they deserve. But it is a little scary to give Gabe, Gabe Kapler the keys. I feel like he started doing some <laughs> of this a little bit with uh, with the Phillies last year. And then he came over to San Francisco and they're like, hey, man, do your thing. And this is what's happening. Well said. Uh, Robbie Baseball's checking. He says you three discuss Kyle Freeland. Well, sorry, he's calling him Kyle Quality Start Freeland. If he's not on your sheet, the hype and ownership is low, and he's now in a rehab assignment with 70 quality starts in 2020. So we leave it to our wonderful viewers and listeners. Kyle Freeland, yay or nay, Alex? Um, I'm going to say nay. Uh, because I get a little scared about a guy that you're relying um, mostly for ratios on uh, based off a smaller sample size over one full season and one of the most volatile uh, offensive environments. I do think on the road, he could be a very, very valuable streamer, though. Is that crazy talk, Deary? No, not at all. I mean, he's had one really solid season, but that was in what 2018 mm -hmm. and it's always volatile with any type of Colorado Rockies pitcher. I mean, you, this is why they drop down in drafts, even if they have the talent like a John Gray or a Herman Marquez. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you got to see what he, he does coming back. So he, he hasn't pitched one lick up in the majors this year. He's not a high strikeout guy either, which also kind of concerns me. So we'll see how he, he does going forward, but I'm probably staying away. Oh, okay. Well, sorry, Kyle Freeland. It didn't work out for you. You have probably had the best of intentions. That's just the way the cookie crumbles, my friend. Quickly on some other players, Eliezer Hernandez. He's on the comeback trail doing rehab starts. Uh, things are looking like they're getting on track for a possible return. I know. I feel like you're a big fan of Eliezer Hernandez. That's so funny that you say that. I, I in like 2019, I was, or even might have been 2018. I was like, oh yeah, this slider is really nasty. And then I was really in, and then it just didn't seem like all the pieces were being put together. I am a little bit interested in Eliezer Hernandez. I know um, the great Eno Saris heard of him. Um, he uh, he had led the charge a little bit on him this past year with Michael Ahedo also being super big on Eliezer Hernandez. The shape of those breaking pitches, like that slider, is like 18 different sliders into one. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think he's going to get plenty of, uh, you know, I, I forgot the name of the number four and five starter on the Marlins right now. I think it's Poteet, something Poteet. That's right. Um, yeah, Sweet Poteet, Cody Poteet. Poteet, yeah, I know it's Cody. I know it's a C, Cody Poteet. He's going to get plenty of innings, I think. They need some help in that rotation right now, and I think Eliezer Hernandez can provide that. Oh, yeah, sucky sucky now. What does that mean? You guys remember that? You ever hear people say that? What? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I don't What's know what that, that meant, from? but. I don't know. I was just waiting to get fired up. Like, oh, sookie, sookie, man. I don't know. Yeah, I don't it. remember that. Well, at least Alex verified that I'm not insane. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, I appreciate I that. that. Yeah. Uh, Robbie Baseball really is pissed that we're shitting on Kyle Freeland. I apologize <laughs> for that. Like I said, nothing personal. Uh, he says, I hate you all. Baltimore, Detroit suck. Thank you, it's Robbie. It's just one man's opinion, man. That's very true. Yeah, we come do on. Uh, John Wilder says, Gomber, 
Austin Gombard. By the way, if you haven't got Gombard, you Don't haven't lived yet. You haven't lived yet <laughs> if you haven't got Gombard. Gombard at the New York Mets and at Pittsburgh next week. Everyone going to get Gombard again. Alex, you want to get Gombard next week against the Mets and the Pirates, who have two offenses that are questionable? I I, I would prob I don't mind taking a risk because that Mets offense is just limping right now, and I feel bad for him. I, I was looking at that starting lineup today, and it is it is it's brutal right now. I feel every every everyone's injured or not performing. Yeah, it was the joke bad. of Twitter today. Yeah, it was it bad. bad. They, your big move is we got Cameron Maven. Yes. <laughs> oh god sad day so that's a good call john wilder thank you john wilder appreciate you following the show by the way uh you're new to us technically i remember everyone's name in the stream so you can sub on the youtube channel plazo podcast and you can follow us on all our favorite social media platforms if you choose only if you like what you hear though if you don't like what you see or hear you get a full refund and you can move on with the rest of your life uh framber valdez is on the comeback trail as well his rehab start i think went pretty smoothly the first one so he's on his way to not sitting out the whole year like some reporters had hinted at early on in spring training so we're all good right everybody would i mean it's obvious framber valdez is likely rostered in most leagues but there's no denial that we would be against framber right no all about it that curveball's fantastic he's gonna get you wins he's gonna get you innings yeah take take if, if he's available there's no harm in picking him up that's what I figured. Uh, Brendan Rodgers of the Rockies, he's been playing for the AAA affiliate for a few days now, and he seems to be healthy, and the Rockies suck, and they have nothing to play for, but they are the Rockies, and we all know that the prophecy, if it was misread, it did originally offer opportunity that prospects from the Rockies would be the path to enlightenment. But if we misread it, it may have been you know, that the Rockies just are going to screw us forever with a tantalizing hint of endless young promise. However... I still think Brendan Rodgers is somebody you should pick up, take a chance on right now. If he's on your waiver wire or you could put in a fab bid for him, I think you should absolutely do so because I expect him to be up with the big ball club in no more than two weeks' time. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Like, it's just the same thing that you've already expressed where it's like, so what? where are they going to play him? Are they going to platoon him? I mean, the only per- they, they started pl- platooning Rymel Tapia already. Um I, Shit. but then again, also like at, at, at that point, like it's so, if, if it, it put it this way, if there's a stretch where they're playing like a week of home games, you have nothing to lose by picking up Brendan Rogers and taking advantage of that. That one is long gone. <laughs> yeah. My, my hope is that they would have moved McMahon over to first and Rogers would slot in at second, but then CJ Crone came back from the DL the other mm-hmm. day. So now he's back in there and that's their, you know, signing in the off season. It's interesting that they're, you know, platooning Tapia now who's actually been pretty solid for them at the top of the order. I feel like they just need to get rid of Charlie Blackman and let him go over to the American league. And then just make some room for these young guys. Josh Fuentes is playing pretty good over at third base for the Rockies right now, but they need to make room for guys like a Brendan Rogers. I mean, they, they did it for McMahon. They got to do it for these young guys. Cause they got to see what they got moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Josh Fuentes was player of the week last week. How about that? That's pretty cool. Good for him. J.D. Davis should be back with the ball club that desperately needs his bat. So I'm sure they're going to they don't want to rush him because he's injured. and He's on rehab assignment currently, but he's got to get back with that club pretty quick because they need his bat. So make sure you get him on your roster because when healthy, J.D. Davis is a great bat, in my opinion. Seth Lugo. Nobody's talked about Seth Lugo. He's been out all year, but he is Starting up the rehab, Simon, and he's going to be playing the old swingman, fireman type role. Where it'll be multi-innings, 
Might not be a starter, but could be an opener of several innings to offer. And I think his ratios could do wonders for you guys. What do you think of Seth Lugo? Yeah, I think he's flashed some really good upside. I, I feel bad for him because I keep I feel like he keeps being like, listen, just give me another chance. I want to be a starter. I want to be a starter. And I guess they are really interested in that Sean Reed Foley, Joey Lucchese combination as opposed to giving him just an actual starting job in the rotation. But yeah, I think he's really like I, I have a league that's a starts limits league. So those long relief Ooh. dudes with high K upside. Those guys are steals. Guys like Seth Lugo are steals. I do think he could also end up being a good, uh, a valuable holds guy. It feels like every time they have a plan for him, he just ends up at the back end of that that bullpen. So if you need a holds guy, he could be an interesting dude to think, uh, keep track of. Have you, you seen the projected dude? starters for the Mets over the next week? <laughs> oh, the, what do well, we got? It's TBD, 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 TBD. <laughs> After Stroman and David Peterson go. <laughs> That's bad, right? Yeah, yeah. I got nobody right now. They got nobody. Shit. Welcome to yeah, hell. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's maybe maybe Gasselman comes in for a spot start. Sean Reed Foley, Lucchese. You know, I mean, and these guys are not stretched out. Most of them have either been on the DL already or have not gone more than three innings. So it's going to get really interesting for the Mets here over the next couple of weeks. Mets are going to Mets, but Noah Syndergaard's going to start up his rehab very quickly. Lugo and Davis are rehabbing. There's there's going to be talent coming up to the big league ball club stay patient Mets fans we all feel for you Anthony Santander uh, is gonna start up his rehab he could be back by Friday actually uh you're the Oriole master you gotta tell me something about that listen I think one of the biggest improvements that Anthony Santander made last year was solely defensively and I think it's actually a really big deal because he was terribly terrible defensively a few years ago and that is going to put him in that uh, lineup for good because they actually have a pretty stacked lineup well they've got a lot of interesting arms between Austin Hayes Cedric Mullins having a fantastic year DJ Stewart Ryan Mountcastle though hopefully that experiment is over Trey Mancini hasn't gotten any right field opportunities nor should he probably he should be at first base in DH Anthony Santander in that part can lead to a lot of home runs sluggish start at the beginning of the year but yeah man he he's got some pop in that bat so who's going to be the odd man out when santander comes back alex probably dj stewart yeah oh damn sounds, it. Like, sounds like you want it to be mount castle though uh, I think as of now, he's still there. I, I would like to get him the at pass at DH. Um, I, I, I think that's beneficial as long as I never see him in the outfield again. I just don't <laughs> want to do that. Oh, it's a defensive thing. Okay, I get you. Yeah. Yeah. Deary did pick him for rookie of the year, and I was in support of that. I really he thought he hit. could crush the ball. He can hit, and I actually think if, if there... He would be fine at first base. I actually really think he would mm -hmm. be fine at first base. But then, so maybe you switch around Mancini, you put him at DH. Yeah, I think he would actually be a very serviceable first baseman. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to answer this right now because we've got too much going on. But John Wilder offers up this gem that the rest of you can stew on while you listen and watch the show. Stealing this from Jason Stark. Can you name the four active starting pitchers with multiple Cy Youngs and at least one no-hitter? So they got to have two Cy Youngs and a no-no. Think about it. Google it, cheat, do whatever you want. But it's something fun to consider. All right, then Glaber Torres is going to be ready to go here. He's he's ready to rock. Strasburg is going to fire it up. He's getting ready to roll. So that's good news for all those people that drafted him and wasted probably a valuable pick on Steven Strasburg. Zach Britton is going to ramp up activity soon. He started doing some activities prior to anything beyond a simulated game. So stay tuned there. And... With Mike Trout being out six to eight weeks, unreal, devastating news, bad news for baseball in general. Joe Adele, Brandon Marsh time. Uh, both these guys are hot outfield prospects on the same team. 
Would you take one over the other right now in terms of a redraft situation? Because obviously they both have dynasty potential. But what about a redraft situation, Alex? Uh, I, every time I have, it's so funny. Every time I see Joe Adele in a major league uniform, I'm like, oh God, this isn't great. And then I see the minor league highlights and I'm like, oh yeah, let's go. So I'm going to go Joe Adele one more time. Why not? One more time. All right. Army hey, wants shame you're on you. a mad man. Deary. Yeah. <laughs> you want to go the other side of the coin here? Or you want to stick with Adele? I'm still focusing on the starting pitching uh, no-hitter. <laughs> yeah. I, I have things rolling around in my brain right now. That's yeah. my fault. Sorry about that. <laughs> I need to know if active includes guys on the IL. Oh, I think he meant active by all, like still playing, I assume. We okay, could so they could still be on the IL. They could be on the IL, but they're <laughs> yes, still they playing. Could. That's a good one, okay. though. I, uh, think, I, think <laughs> I, can, I think I can name three. What do you think? Ooh, go for it. I got Kluber, Scherzer, uh-huh. and Kershaw. I was thinking, that's why I asked about the IL because of Verlander. Did Verlander ever throw a no-no? He threw oh. two. So then there you go. He won. Is Fe- is, but he only is, won. Is Felix Hernandez active at all? Is he on any roster? He, he hasn't no. retired. The Orioles let him go. Yeah. That's true. Uh, Verlander had the... He, Got screwed by Porcello in that awful 2016 decision. But he won and, one the, the year he was MVP. Yeah, but he didn't. Oh, it's see, now I'm mixing it up. It's <laughs> so it's two Cy Youngs and at least one no hitter. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think he had. A, did he have a second Cy Young? Uh, with no, Houston? he only had one. No, he didn't. He only had one. Had one. Right. Okay. He, he got screwed. He got screwed by Porcello, who's not signed by anybody right now. But yeah, I think it was 11 or 12 when that MVP year. Those John are the four? says we did it. Yeah, John says we did it. John, which are the four? Uh, we just so named a bunch f- of names. So Verlander's the fourth then? Maybe. Even though, I mean, he's on a roster. There you go. Verlander, okay. Kluber, Scherzer, and Kershaw. Okay. Two former Tigers right. on the same team at the same time. That really did happen. I was going to say Arietta, but I guess he's never, he, he's won a Cy Young. No, he, he only, he only won one Cy Young. Yeah, that was. Oh, he's got a, okay. He only had one the Cy Orioles Young. fans thought he would win many Cy Youngs, but it only ended up being one with another team. <laughs> with right, another Alex? team, yes. Yes, it was great. Although I will say, great? if we're bringing up painful <laughs> memories, I did get to go to that playoff series, Orioles-Tigers uh, uh, ah! against Scherzer. Ah! Where's Gilbert and, Gottfried? Uh, Where's Gilbert Gottfried? Delman Young! Delman Young! I was at that game. What a dumb playoff series. That was that game was the, one of the most memorable sports experiences I've ever uh, being there was uh, unlike cool. anything else. But whatever. That's what There's Orioles no fans. That in. I hear that a lot from O's fans, like not cool. anything. Uh, I mean, obviously the World Series 83 and those were a long time ago, but more like current your age fans. They all talk about that series and how awesome it was. There was there was I mean, you guys can experience you've experienced this because you have a team that's similar, you know, and it, it sucks that it was against your team. And I don't I don't even mean it like that. It's just that. There was an atmosphere and an electricity that ran through that stadium, like yeah. something had awoken in that city that had not been active in in decades, and it was amazing. Yeah, I went to a couple of the Yankees Tigers playoff games when the Yankees mm-hmm. beat them two out of three years in the playoffs, and I had never experienced, especially with baseball being my favorite sport. I'd been to you know hockey playoff games, basketball playoff games, but nothing was like being at an MLB postseason game for a team that you grew up with. And then, yeah. like, finally getting over that hump of like a team that you know is a dynasty team, like the Yankees. So it was so incredible. So yeah, I, I definitely relate to what you say, Alex. Going to like a Baltimore game where they sweep the Tigers, where we had World Series aspirations, and nope. 
I will say I I did get to go to a Tigers Orioles game later. My my buddy and I flew out via Spirit Airlines because we wanted to go to Comerica, and I just fell in love with that stadium. I just thought I thought, and it wasn't even just that. I mean, I thought it was. I in many ways I thought it was an improvement over Camden, which is heresy because I like the open concourses, whereas Camden isn't open concourse. But I also just loved, and I had this experience at. Um, now guaranteed rate where the fans who were there were the diehard Tigers fans and sitting in the nosebleeds and having conversations with them and feeling their respect for the team that they knew was garbage. You know what I mean? Just the way that they <laughs> talked about it was just like, man, it just really made me fall in love with, 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 with that, that, that team and that fan base and that stadium. It was, it was special that I think you guys have something special there. That is beautiful. See, people say that all the time. It's hard for us to, get out of our heads when you have Comerica as your home park. I don't mm-hmm. think it's a dump or anything. It's just I don't know how unique it is at times because it does look beautiful, but it also kind of looks like PNC-ish. Um, mm. I don't, the newer parks that came along at that time in the early 2000s, late 90s, I guess. Sure. But, no, I'm not going to. I came from Tiger Stadium, which was a classic dump, but it was classic my dump. dump. <laughs> I love that dump. Yeah. It's, it, it's like growing up going to the Joe Louis Arena for Red Wings games where it was an absolute dump, but you loved it. You walked in and it just smelled like hockey, and now you go to the new Little Caesars <laughs> Arena, and you were like, yeah. what is this circus here? Yeah. Yeah. And that 2006 season for the Tigers is exactly how we felt when you were just describing the 14 run there because it just came all of a sudden, and the energy exploded through – all of us. And we went to the World Series that year. We were just two years removed, three years removed from the 119 loss year. So yeah, that was great. That yeah, I miss those days. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. At least we had the opportunities and we were presented with them. And we're so grateful for that. Thank you so much, Detroit. Uh, Patrick Ryan says, nice. I like Alex talking about the Tigers and their fans. So look at that. People like that, Alex. They appreciate good. I'm that. glad. I'm good. All right. Well, now let's put you in the hot zone. This is the Hands Rico Plato Fantasy Baseball Podcast, part of the Road of Fanatic Podcast Network. Go to RotoFanatic.com today. We got some great writers doing some really good stuff. Mr. Dr. Mike Carter, Dave Funnel. He's Canadian. He's a beautiful man. He does the infirmary report. We got Phil Goyette, Crosby Spencer. All these people are here to help you. They're going to make a difference in your life. And every weekend we put out closing remarks to help you with bullpens. And of course, the infirmary report, which you need because there's so many damn injuries. And the schedule factors, which are great for the upcoming week to see who's got the best schedule, who's going to be pitching, yada, yada, yada. It's all combined into the madman himself. Beautiful, beautiful science experiment. Crosby Spencer's schedule factors. Check it out rotafanatic.com all right it's called enrico's inquisition for a reason because we put our guest inside of it no one's gonna get hurt at least i don't think so (laughs) but let's find out right now in enrico's inquisition would you prefer to deal with a manipulative person or a callous person wow this is deep deep into my psyche alan trammell or lou whitaker oh i knew you were gonna hit me with that the 1988 dodgers or the 2020 dodgers oh the 1988 by far it was the happiest moment like of my sports life that was my first gut moment oh nelly get ready for some doozies because it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show Rico's Inquisition. <laughs> That's right. It's Enrico's Inquisition on the Hey, It's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast with Alex Fast at AlexFast8 on Twitter. AlexFast8. Alex, right off the bat, you are a musical man. So what are some of your most treasured musical artists? I mean, there's no way, unless you could say it, 
Like you have an absolute number one favorite musical group or artist of all time. Because I have a really hard time saying that because there's so much good music out there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I, growing up, it was all Red Hot Chili Peppers all the time. Like, that was the band that I was obsessed with, knew every album, knew every album. Like, not just the track listing, how long each song was. Um, but I, I think there's a few that kind of fall into different genres that kind of molded me. I think, um, and, and it's funny, I, I kind of approach it in a different way. Like, the first time I heard, like, Frank Zappa, the first time my dad played Frank Zappa for me, I was like... Oh, I've never heard anything like this in my life before. And I have like Hot Rats is one of my favorite albums of all time, but I'm not like a huge Frank Zappa fan. You know what I mean? I don't like live and die by Frank Zappa, but I do <laughs> like listening to him a lot. So I would say like him, Primus, um, uh, um, the one band that's coming to my mind right now that I can't stop thinking about is this band called Black Midi, uh, M-I-D-I. And I just think they're original and fun and we're just at like such a fun point with music where all these different subgenres are being blended together to create this big mess of music in such a fun way this dude jacob collier i think is absolutely fantastic as well those are the dudes that come to my mind off the top of my head why does it hurt when i pee i mean how could that how's that not catchy it's so catchy yeah yeah Deary, we're talking with Alex Fast about his musical like go-tos. Like he loves it. Frank Zappa, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Black MIDI, which is something I will check out. M-I-D-I, like MIDI chord, you know, MIDI, mm-hmm. MIDI music. Yep. That sounds very cool. And you do play bass, obviously, as we've seen in your wonderful series, Funkified Baseball Stats. <laughs> I love it. It's genius. It's pure Thank genius. Uh, where does that were you in bands? Did you have a uh, upbringing with the bass or to just kind of all of a sudden pick it up yeah the first time i my uh, cousin andrea played um californication the album for me when it first came out and the first note is that is that low e from around the world and it shook the car exactly shook everything went right into my heart later that week my mom took me to a, a music store picked up a little crappy four-string yamaha bass and that was Man, I was 19, no, 2001, I think. Yeah, because it was the year I think Californication came out. I've been playing ever since. So, man, what year is it? 2021. Been playing for 20 years. That's insane. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, wild stuff. Wild, 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 wild. Uh, and then, yeah, that, that's just been a part of my life. I played in a bunch of bands. I um, played in a, a, a screamo band in high school called Sacred Soul, which was great. Yes! I was like Perfect the, name for a screamo band. Thank Sacred you, exactly. Soul. And we were like, all I wanted to do was like slap the shit out of the bass. So I listened to like a lot of Mudvayne, a lot of like Primus that we talked about. So I wanted to be like those guys. So I even bought a five strings because my um, guitar player played in drop B tuning, not drop D, drop B tuning. Um, So I got a five string so I could play along with that and then played in the band in college. Then when I was acting, played with this guy named Justin Barron, um, which was like kind of like Bruno Mars kind of pop. And he just had all these crazy connections. So we opened for J-Lo and we opened for Ariana Grande and we opened for <laughs> Calvin Harris and we opened for the Chainsmokers and we opened for wow. Sean Mendez and we opened up for all these and we opened up for Shaggy. <laughs> wow. Shaggy. Yeah. yeah. So it was crazy. It was the it was the most people no, no, I ever no, no, played for. Day, yeah. I, I can't do a good Shaggy. I'm terrible. No, but good. I do love it reminds me of Shabba Ranks though. Mr. Mm. Loverman. Shabba. <laughs> Shabba. Mike, what did uh, five for what it was it five to six? What's that five, two, six. Five, two, five, six? 
Who did you guys ever open up for? <laughs> uh, nobody like that. Definitely. That's some cool shit. We, it was a That's silly cover cool. band. That's all. Five to six. It was a you know what my dream band, is? Alex. You know what my dream is? If, oh, I, one day, if I'm ever a father, get some other fathers and start a Steely Dan cover band called Steely Dads and just probably just play Asia cover to cover. Oh, my God. We just listened to Steely Dan when my wife and I were eating dinner. We threw the Steely Dan record on. She's like, I need something a little more chill because we, we had just listened to uh, we listened to it, something a little heavier. Mm. And she's like, yeah, put something else on. I'm like, yeah, Steely Dan. All right. Which song? Which album would you do? Uh, is it Countdown to Ecstasy? Is that the name of it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Their yeah, first put that one, one on. Yeah. I will tell you this. Uh, there is a guy on Facebook called the Steely Dad. It's a musician band, but <laughs> right. I don't know if it's the Dads. So Okay. And <laughs> it's, a, it's a great idea. I think that is a... I'm not throwing this around loosely. I think that is a game-changing idea. I really do. That would be so much fun. You can be in it with me. You can be the drummer. I would love to. I'll, I'll move wherever you're at. I'll come with the vicinity. I don't care where I live. All I care about is being around people that are creative and fun. And I want to play. I made a change to myself. You know, I went through opioid and it ruined my life and hell and back. And I'm really grateful to be where I am now. And I lost all my musical toys. I sold them all for pills. It was so stupid. At the time, it made a lot of sense. But however, may have been a mistake. May have been a mistake. But I'm getting it all back. I'm slowly rebuilding my empire. That's what I like to say. So I'm, I love it. I love I'm it. with that. I love it too. That's great. We're talking with Alex Fast. He's inside Enrico's Inquisition, musical influences. But what about when it comes to sliders, changeups, or curveballs? Which of the three pitches is your favorite? We got to get it on the record. I mean, you are a pitching guru in a sense. So I got to get it. I got to hear it. And I know I'm sure you've got a favorite specific pitcher's pitch. Man, that is such a great question. I've never thought about that. And I think the first thing that comes to my mind, my brain went like this, slider, change up, slider. So we can deal curveball out. Curveball didn't pop into my head. And I think when I give it a second, I think slider because I yes. just don't know how they move. Like in many ways, like when when um, when Barton Smith is talking about seam shifted wake, he's like, I understand it for changeups, I understand it for sinkers, I don't get it for sliders, I don't understand how it works yet, and the ability to make a pitch move like that, and then like when you see, I think okay, put it this way, you can show people a lot of pitches and they'll be like, that's cool. You can show someone a ninety nine mile or fastball and they'll be like, wow, that goes fast. You can show someone a change up and you're like, Luis Castillo's change up. And you're like, well, that's kind of funky. Or a curveball that's twelve six. You're like, that's kind of fun. If you show someone Chaz Rose slider, they're like, that's magic. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, not the first time his slider's been mentioned on this show in this mm -hmm. segment, by the way. That's hilarious. Because it's it's magic. It makes no sense. It blows the mind. It doesn't make any sense. That's so, what they yeah. said. Yeah. <laughs> Who was it? God, I can't. We've done so many shows, but that somebody literally said the pitch makes no sense. It's crazy. It's so. unbelievable. You're in the minority. There's only been maybe four or five people on the 50, 60 guests we've had on that have said slider. And I rock the slider. That's my favorite pitch. So I'm glad you're on board. The slider. The slide piece. Yeah, love it. Big fan. Yeah, you know what? I might go curveball, I guess. I, I love a slider, though. I mean, don't get me wrong. Changeups are Matthew cool. Matthew Boyd, were, slider? I kind of like Turnbull Slider even more. Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. Pretty good. It's a, you know, our guy, uh, your guy, friend of the show, Ben Palmer, mm. does the top 10 pitches you know, of the year, the most 10 most nastiest pitches based by a uh, whiff percentage. 
and he, he had Spencer Turnbull in one of those early editions in like 2019. So I was like, oh wow, see, and it was that slider. So kudos to him on that. Kind of got me. He actually got me more into the guy, even though I'm local. So Ben, mm-hmm. you always get credit for that. And he's a Baltimore guy too. Ben yeah. lives outside of Annapolis, where I used to live out there. We used to live in the same area, so oh, we didn't wow. get to talk about that. Do you spend a? So you live in New York now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you grew up in Maryland, or you spent part Maryland. of your youth there. I know you moved after teenage years, or is it later? So I grew up in Maryland and then moved for college. Uh, but yeah, grew up outside in between Baltimore and DC. So got down to Annapolis every once in a while. It's beautiful down there. Yeah, took a took a trip down thirty two. Hey, hey, all right. Uh, what town did you grow up in then? I grew up in Columbia, uh, which oh, was of course. Yeah, I yeah, saw yeah, Faith yeah. No More there in twenty fifteen at Merriweather Post. Hell yes, that's awesome. You went to Merriweather Post, Mike. You never told me about this. And you oh, saw yeah. Faith No More. Yeah, that's oh, epic, we went, man. Well, we did that uh, Tigers. Or, it was a whole trip. We saw the Tigers-Orioles that weekend in August of 2015. First time I've been to Camden. Finally knocked that off the list. And then we closed no. out the weekend on Sunday night with Faith No More at the Merriweather Post. That's Wait, awesome. so what? I was down there that weekend. And then what? We all left on Sunday and then you went to the concert no, that you went, night? That was 2018. This was 2015 oh, before I lived okay. there. All right. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome, dude. That Faith No More, I'd always wanted to see them. That was a bucket list show because they, you know, they've gone. They were disappeared. They weren't a band for he's a long insane. time. He had Mike Patton. He's he's just something, man. Every time I'm listening to like an album, I'm like, oh, he produced it or he's singing in the background and making the weirdest noise I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> like he's just he he produced one of my favorite Bjork albums that just blows my mind every time really? I listen to it. He produced a Bjork album that has no instruments on it except for one track. It's all human voice, and it is unreal. It's unreal. Holy shit balls. That is how do I not know why, about this? I know. This is why we do the show, man. We get to learn new shit. I had no idea about any of this. It's called Where Is the Line? Yeah, well, it's, it's a song on the album. Is it mm-hmm. self-titled? That anyway, song is I, I let me know as soon as you listen to that song. That song is awesome. It's going to be playing, unfortunately, yo, YouTube and music, there's copyright issues, yeah, but yeah, on sure. the podcast, it will be playing as the bed of this segment as we're talking. I guarantee awesome. that later on. So that's so cool. I love Mike Patton. He does ranges. He gets into a range of vocal that you're like mesmerized. I mean, Aretha Franklin is a legend. There's incredible singers out there, but he really is. He could hit notes that these people could hit. Mm. No, he also did a really interesting interview with Eric Andre on YouTube. That is a fun watch. <laughs> it's like insane. It's just two insane dudes talking to each other. Yes, that sounds like total Bozo Fest. And I yeah. am always down with Bozo Fest. Eric Andre oh. is insane. Yes, I yeah, love I, I haven't seen his new movie. I got to check. I know it was on Netflix. Uh, Another I give it a watch. It, it, it's a 5.6. It's like Jackass mm. Light, but I actually I actually enjoyed it. Hmm. You say you saw it, Alex, or no? No, no, no. I was just saying he's another tribesman, another fellow Hebrew. Ah, yes, he is. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely he is. Yes. His dad, he has an interesting uh, background, his parents, sure. how they met and stuff. Very cool. Mm. He's a cool guy. I know he's crazy, but, you know, sometimes it's just an act. It doesn't mean that's who he is, folks. It's called entertainment. <laughs> Would you rather be stabbed or arrested? <laughs> arrested. Easy. See, you say Not that me. now. No, no, no. But, no. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I think... I, I just don't do well with pain, and uh, there's no. There are fewer chances if I'm arrested that I'm going to die. There's a good chance if I'm stabbed that I could die. Depends where you're stabbed. <laughs> where am I getting stabbed? 
Yeah, that's the thing. See, we don't put any context on this. We keep it very general, and we will not give you further information. So Two of my heroes were stabbed, so maybe it would make me. It would bring me closer to them. Oh, okay. Well, shit. Get that's arrested. cool. Aaron, uh, Aaron Pags, who does great work uh, at Fantasy mm, yeah. Triage on Twitter, he was on the show uh, recently, and he talked about. He broke it all down for us, like how because he works as an emergency nurse, emergency yes. room nurse. <laughs> He's like, yeah, well, if you're going to get stabbed, here's how you want to get stabbed. This is the best place to do it. So we broke it down. He said get stabbed in the arm. He said he he had seen people stabbed 40, 50 times in the arm, and they're fine, and they're walking out the next day. But you take one little shiv to the lower kidney, and you could die. (laughs) See, whenever this subject comes up, forever, forever, it's always going to be Tommy Fab reference within a minute. And there it is. Patrick Ryan right on cue. Tommy (laughs) Fab is your hero? There it is. I'm sorry, Tommy Fab. You... You didn't want to get stabbed in a strip club parking lot, but it did happen. We're inside of Rico's Inquisition with Alex Fast here. Uh, Alex, you have been an actor. You were an actor. You're more of a broadcaster now, I guess. Is that fair to say? Is that how you... Or just an overall content creator? However you want to describe yourself. I don't want to put labels on you that are unfair. Whatever you want. Just a guy. Oh, you're just a dude. Okay, great. Even better. Just a guy. A jag. Um, But, yeah, what's it like being on TV? Because... You absorb a higher profile, but then at the same time, you're also dealing with your own ego and the excitement of it. I, I'm curious about that whole experience, having never... I have been on TV, but just local television, so I've never been on the uh, on a broadcast network beyond that. But I'm curi- I'm just curious if you could share what, what it's genuinely, honestly like, because you seem to me like you're a guy that doesn't bullshit, so I figured I could ask you something like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's, you know... The acting training has certainly helped because um, the only person that makes it difficult to be yourself is yourself. You know what I mean? The only thing that makes it difficult for you to be you are the nerves that you encounter in, in that kind of experience, right? So the first time I got to do ESPN was on a KBO broadcast, 7 o'clock in the morning, right? Couldn't really sleep the night before. Woke up at, you know, I'm, I got I suffer from a lot of anxiety. So I woke up at like 5 and I was like, I'm ready. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Took a shower, just relaxed. And then at that point, it's really just trying to breathe and self-connect and live in the moment. Um, because the more you try and self-sabotage, the more in your head you're going to get, the less authentic you're going to be, and the further away from yourself you're going to be. If to trust in that moment, then I deal with imposter syndrome all the time. You have to trust in that moment that you are what they wanted. It's not a mistake that they reached out to you. Um, you may not know everything, but you know something. And you just kind of have to be confident in that, even if you don't necessarily believe in it. Um, you have to take your time and understand that it's not going to be perfect. Because if you try to make it perfect, it's going to be even less perfect. Um, but other than that, you just kind of have to breathe. You know what I mean? You just kind of have to breathe and be with yourself. And those are like the hardest things of all to do, for sure. Um, it, 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 it's not easy and I I, I, I it's it's terrifying every single time I, I, I do it I still can't believe I've done it more than once um, but yeah I think that that's kind of my insight to it is that helpful at all is that, is that what you're looking for does that make sense <laughs> <laughs> he's got anxiety asking you whether or not it was what he, we were looking just for staring at my Lexapro right now being like see you later no just the, the thought of breathing because I do a ton of public speaking with my job and I forget mm. to breathe so I'll be in the middle of a sentence and I'm like Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, (laughs) And no, in being authentic and the imposter syndrome, I think everybody has it. And like people can sniff that out. 
So like being authentic and being able to breathe, like that's 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 fucking beautiful. And you had to do it at 7 a.m. <laughs> yeah, dude, that sucked. It's funny you say that too, because I was walking around Brooklyn with my wife a couple days ago, and she's been waking up early to do some yoga, and she's been like, "Yeah, it's just crazy that like how much breathing helps." And you know, it's so funny. It's just like something that we, you know, some people hear it and they're like, "Oh, that's some yogi bullshit." I don't necessarily believe that, and some people try it and they don't you know they they, they, they just kind of write it off but it's insane how that can be just so helpful just really helpful that was one of the most uh, genuinely honest responses to a genuinely honest question i've ever had on the show so thank you <laughs> good yeah of course you know that's why we do this show we don't want to bullshit and we want to get inside the truth of life because one day i got breaking news we're all gonna be dead someday i know it sucks it's a harsh reality and we're not trying to think about it but you know, I want to I want to go in to this life with everything I can right now and then go out with a bang. So I, I don't want to. It's so cheesy and cliche, but I don't want to have any regrets. And I spent a lot of my life holding myself back and limiting myself and not necessarily being afraid, but just so much easier to not try. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. It's a lot easier to not engage or not give the effort, whether it's voting or just talking to someone. It could be anything. And the fact that you're able to at least be in touch with yourself and, and Deary too. That's, you know, I didn't even know you're doing that much public speaking with your job. So that's really intuitive and useful information. I hope everybody takes as much out of it as I did. I really, I mean that. I do. Yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Good job, guys. This is a, you're listening to Coffee Talk and I am Michael <laughs> Govier and he's Alex Fast and Christopher Deary, of course. C. Deary, 1999, Alex Fast 8, MJ Govier, GOBs and Victor. Please. Uh, a couple more hit the road here. You're an act. You were an actor, and you love mm-hmm. movies, I assume. So, is there a movie that you can go to as your comfort film, just to zone out to? Like, I don't give a shit. I just want to chill. I'm not even in for the thrills. I've seen it a thousand times. What is it? Uh, Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Absolutely love Dumb and Dumber. You know, I, 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 Dumb and Dumber. I mean, Catch Me If You Can is one of those movies that's like always just sit down and enjoyable. Yes. Uh, it's just the soundtrack, the the the, the movie moments, the cinematic I have elements concurred. of it. <laughs> yeah. Do you concur, Doctor? Um, yeah. Th- those are my like kind of like just relax and zone out ones. Those are two great ones, aren't they? Not, dearie. Mm. Oh, absolutely. I, I, you know, I haven't watched Dumb and Dumber in probably like fifteen years. I think it's, I think it's time for oh. a rewatch here soon. Oh, that you know what? I just think there's so many dumb, amazing moments in that when he <laughs> leaves the bar. And I, I think this was impromptu. Like Jim Carrey points to a sign and says, "We landed on the moon." It still kills yeah. me every single time. Like, <laughs> we landed on the moon. <laughs> I feel like a ton of that movie had to have been in, improvised. I, 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 it's amazing. I love it. <laughs> I completely agree. His like aw shucks look on his face. Like he sells it so well. It's incredible. Well, I, I did know when they're in the the Muttmobile and he does the. You want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> And yeah. that guy who's the, like a, a that guy, I think his name's uh, Mike Stone. Yeah. Mike like Star. A, a, Mike Star, that's right. Two Mike R's. Star. He, he did, had no clue that was coming, and he did that. So, like, the genuine look on his face was surprised because he did <laughs> there's not just know so many, that Carrie was going to do that. But, like, there's, there's, like, so many lines that as a kid I didn't even get, like, where he gets pulled over by a cop, and he goes, pull over, and he goes, oh, it's a cardigan. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing it in the theater, Alex. I can see yep, myself there. As, it was as do I. 1994. We were, yep, we were 13, 14. 
That's yeah, I want to say it came out in like the fall of 94. I might have just turned 14. First uh, freshman year of high school. Oh, we had a great stretch run there with like Dumb and Dumber and Billy Madison and Tommy oh. Boy all within like a couple of years and being being middle schoolers, like early early uh, high school. <laughs> yeah, John Wilder checking in. Nice I set of Hooters, Hooters you got there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, that's great. That was a good response. I love Dumb and Dumber. I mean, Jim Carrey is a special talent anytime. And so is, and actually, I actually love uh, Catch Me If You Can more than Dumb and Dumber. I would have, if you had to ask me, I do. It's a great movie, man. I mean, it's like when he when he realizes that his name is just Flash Gordon's name, like when the, the scene where he almost catches him inside of the, um, the hotel. Like, there's just so many, uh, like, amazing cinematic moments. And like, that, like I said, that soundtrack that that's like perfect, you know, it's it's great. I think it's extremely underrated. Like I've enjoyed it every time it's it's on and it's one of those things where it's on. It's like, OK, I'm I'm in. I'm in. I'm watching till the end with that. I, I think that. Yeah. And that is John Williams, by the way. I think a lot of people don't think that's John Williams because it doesn't necessarily. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't sound like him in terms of some of his biggest epics, but that's John yeah. Williams. We'll figure out if that's Steven Spielberg's most. That is him, I believe. I believe that's. Is that his last good movie? Oh, wow. That is. Uh, well, I mean, uh, you had War of the Worlds came out a couple years after that. Minority Report came out after that, technically. It was the next year. Yeah. Oh, that's. So if you like. If you like that, then yes. But that was that's also 18 years ago. God, that's crazy. It is. I, I'm glad that I was curious about what your passion was for movies because you were interested in acting. I didn't know if you were more about just the pursuit of it or if it was a love of movies that like initiated that in terms of that or no, definitely. I mean, I, I, I you went with one of the most watchable ones, and I have plenty of other pretentious answers for sure. Like I, <laughs> when I when I when I was a kid, I, I didn't uh, drink or smoke in, until maybe college. Like I'm, I'm still never really edge, into. Bro. Let's go. I never was like a specific like you know I didn't wear like the X's or anything, but it just wasn't something that I wasn't super into. I would just like to stay home on Friday nights and watch movies. And my freshman year of college, I was I had to be the only person who was like, no, I want to go home and work at the Blockbuster because you could get free movies. Yeah. Um, and like that was just all I wanted to do, and it was a big part of growing up. I, I will never remember being like a young kid and being like, I want to watch a Clockwork Orange, and my dad being like. Okay, but you have to watch it with me and being like, this is not great. Um, but like falling <laughs> in love with, you know, Stanley Kubrick and then just falling down all those rabbit holes. And I'm pretty dead inside. Like it takes a lot for me to cry. Um, but I, I, hear I do like uh, <laughs> I do like trying to find not movies that make me cry, but movies that leave that kind of lasting, you know, that impact that things that are unique and fun and it's also fun when you watch all these movies to see where they get pieced together to see who influenced who and to see you know who's paying homage to who and what shots are these little easter eggs you know I, I think that's kind of fun it is a incredible amount of fun I, we oh. do a movie pod. I do a movie podcast I've been doing <laughs> it for over a year so uh, I did not know that you, yeah, see, oh, it's, know yeah, that. it's great. A, I listen to it yeah, every Deary. Thursday night. Deary's always there with us, and Deary knows that we have a running text thread. It's called the Cinema 9 Podcast, and <laughs> we have a text thread where we, there's three hosts total, me and two other old friends. So they worked at Blockbuster growing up just like you. They were mm. 18 years old, working at Blockbuster. I didn't do that route, but still, I love movies just the same. And we have a text thread where we post our... <laughs> 
it's like a selfie of us crying from a movie though it has to be from a movie like in tears just remind me what was the last movie you cried at uh i gotta be honest uh it happened i mean are we talking like a crying or like tears because i'll well up but if we're talking like i I want like something where it was like it took us yeah i gotta say it was I was surprised. I'd never seen the movie, and it really hit me super hard. This was a couple months ago, and I did mention it on the show, I believe, but it was The Help. 2011 was oh, The Help. And okay. I know The Help has been kind of... Uh, I know uh, Viola Davis said, like, eh, you know, I don't know if that movie was what we wanted it to be in terms of the white people being the ones who were telling the story, which I understand, and I respect that completely. But I'd never seen the movie, and whatever they did, it got me, and it unleashed something within me, and I definitely was like blubbering i was like holy shit wow i was, had something going on here i got some pent up uh something and this movie pulled it right out of me mm. who are you i don't remember i truly no? don't remember it had to have been something in the last few years but i don't remember i've been doing a lot of trying to watch as many movies that i've never seen before in the last like sure. five six months and i think mike your guys podcast the cinema night podcast kind of pushed me towards that but i haven't nice. been like terribly emotional during a movie i know it's happened like maybe Moonlight a couple of years ago, Manchester by the Sea a few years ago. Those, oh, oh, those ones, those ones definitely got me. But uh, nothing that I can remember recently. Wow, you know, you just reminded me of that the one that might have actually happened more recently was uh, "He Won't Get Far on Foot," which is a uh, oh, Joaquin yeah. Phoenix and yeah. Jonah Hill. I haven't seen that one yet. Oh man, it totally got me because it. Oh, King Phoenix is, it's a true story about a guy. He's a cartoon yeah. artist from Oregon. I don't know his yeah. name off the top of my head, but he was famous and uh, bad things happened to him. So. Yeah. Which I related to. Do is you have one? Fan- is this still a fantasy baseball podcast? <laughs> yes. I don't know. Who gives a shit? But you got to share one before we move on, Alex. I don't think you share. Uh, I remember, it's bizarre. It was the curious case of Benjamin Button. I remember sitting, we all went on Christmas. To, you know, that's what Jews do. They go to movies yep. and they all watch a movie together. And I remember the lights came up and everyone got up and they were like, that sucked. And I was just, it was surrounded by my family and my best friend's family and my best friend. And I was just <laughs> fully in tears. Like, and I never, I, I could probably count on one hand how many movies I've cried at. It's like The Green Mile and yep. that. Like, it's like those two movies. And like, I don't know what it was. It's just like, Hits. Oh, and uh, actually, that might be a lie. Um, three billboards. I think three billboards of uh, Missouri. Okay. Or I think that's what it's called, right? Three billboards? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Three, it's got a bad title. Three billboards, three billboards of outside Missouri. Missouri. Being yeah. Missouri. Yeah. But that's <laughs> great. That guy does. That was a great Great film. writer. Great writer. Yeah. Great, great director. Bruges, great writer. Martin mm-hmm. Donovan? Martin McDonough. McDonough. Thank you. You should read his plays. He was a playwright first, and his plays are some of the most insane disturbing amazing plays look up the pillow man it's amazing i'm gonna do that that's a done deal i am totally into that wow see this is why we do the show yes all right we'll move on from mariko's inquisition i hope you guys took away something from that because i know i did i got a whole list of shit that i'm gonna be checking out and have a greater appreciation for thank you to alex fast alex fast eight on twitter mj govier gov is in victor and G-O-V-I-E-R is in Victor. G-O-V is in Victor. G-O-V-I-E-R is how you spell my name. Sounds like Govier. 
Govier. And C. Deary, 1999. All right, uh, let's play a quick round of, as we move into the fantasy focus, then we'll get the hell out of here. Quick round of everyone's favorite game. Name that runner up, Babby. Right now, there's great music playing underneath the. It's real simple. We're going to give you a winning fab bid, and then you guys decide what was the runner-up fab bid to that winning fab bid. Uh, Deary, would you like to go first? Yeah, I will uh, lead us off here. There is not many fab bids this week, and certainly not many runner-ups, but I will go with uh, closing pitcher for the Minnesota Twins, Williams Estudio. <laughs> Uh, winning bid of $28. What is the runner-up bid for Mr. Williams Astudio, who has third base and catcher eligibility and sometimes will appear in games where Yerman Mercedes can put one out of the park on him? This is from your TGFBI league, I assume? Correct. So 15-team, Roto. Yep. Two winning points. bid, $28. What is the runner-up bid? We'll go to Alex first. Three. Three is really speaking to me. Yeah, I can't see a big push, but I do know he was popular. I'm going to go over three. I'm going to say somebody bid. They wanted to beat 10, so they bid $12. Alex is closer. The winning bid was $5. Damn it. Well done. Good job, Alex. Sometimes I'm in the zone in this, and other times I just shit to bed. And I just got to tell you, that's what happens when you play Name That Runner-Up Fab Bid. (laughs) All right, I'll go next in my main event league, which I am a fool for paying the price for this, Alex. And, Where are you sitting you know, at now? Still 13th, 14th? Let's see. Let's check the league standings. As of right now, I am in... Hey, 13th! All right, okay. I'm not dead last. Move it up. Move there it you up. go. Look at me! Plenty of time, baby. It's not. It's not your fault, Mike. Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of things I could bring up, but I'm going to leave it and let it lie as I tell you. This week, main events are always busy. And Amir Garrett was picked up. $63 for Amir Garrett. Uh, that's an interesting bid in itself, but it was the winning bid. What was the runner-up bad bid for $63 on Amir Garrett? Christopher Deary. I'm going to go with what his walks per nine is, which is 7.15. So I'm going to say the runner-up bid was $7. And we're guaranteed there was a runner-up bid or zero is enough? Yeah, yeah. If there wasn't, <laughs> I wouldn't do it. Yeah, we wouldn't do it. Okay. So, okay, this is as the suspension was happening. They knew there was a suspension coming. They also, if they're going to roster resource, can see that it's split between him and Antone and Sims and everyone else and Doolittle. Eight bucks. Well, technically, you win. It was 17 $17 oh. was the runner-up <laughs> bid for Mir Garrett. People. 63 bucks was the winning? I'm Garrett, he's been atrocious this year. And... The guy he dropped was Rafael Montero, who's been a. I mentioned this on the last <laughs> we just show. Talked about him the other day. Yeah. It's been a whirlwind, a roller coaster of chaos. But I don't know if I would drop Montero for Garrett because I, even though Montero sucks sometimes, he's he still got the gets saves. saves and wins. Yeah. He yeah. does get them. Uh, uh, that's tough. That's a tough call. Uh, Alex, did did you uh, prepare one that you want to give, or otherwise we can give one more? You don't. Have uh, I I I sadly did not. I apologize. No, that's fine. We'll move on their lives then. Uh, Deary, give us one more real quick, then we'll close it out. Yeah, let's go Brendan Rodgers. We talked about him earlier in the show. Uh, hopefully should be coming back soon here for the Rockies. Winning bid, $19. What is the runner-up bid? We'll go to Mike first. Well, $19, that's a nice move, by the way. Way to get ahead of the game. Even though Alex did say, and I actually might start to be agreeing with him, 
There could be issues with playing time because the Rockies are loaded with just a bunch of positional players. I will say the winning bid was 17. The winning bid was 19. Oh, I will say, I'll say 11. Okay. 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 I'm going to say another guy got excited of the, of a prospect with some shine on him in cores. I'm going to go 16. Mike, very, very close. Winning bid was $12. Oh, very nice. It's funny because Josh Fuentes, who was just NL player of the week, went for six bucks with no runner up bid. Well, like we said, there's no rhyme or reason to this crazy ass game called Name That Runner Up Fabbit. All right, that was fun. Good times there. Now we're moving on to a segment which we started on the last show, but we felt like we didn't give it its full attention. So we want to finish it off right. It's called I've Made a Huge Mistake. We all make mistakes, and we all love Arrested Development, do we not, Alex? 100%. Yeah, that's a red 100 all day long. Mm. So, Deary, I know that we started off with a few players, so let's pick up where you left off. Why don't you give us the next guy you didn't get to talk about when we were doing this segment? Yeah, I feel like I missed out on Nolan Arenado. Uh, like, I could have had him a lot earlier than what I was thinking he would have been available for. I was thinking maybe fifth, sixth round, maybe he'd st- stick around, but he was kind of going more in that fourth, fifth round. But this guy could have been a third-round pick. I mean, he's batting 307, 10 home runs, 30 RBIs, 25 runs. Uh, he's a career 31% line drive hitter, and he's just pounded the ball right now. Um, somehow he was not projected by every single projection that we looked at. He was not projected to hit 30 home runs. He's on pace to do that. He is one of the best fastball hitters in the game, and I, I completely missed out on this. I, I, I think we had too many people on our pod, and I read too much shit about, oh, he's moving to St. Louis. He's moving to Bush. It's going to be a harder park. Moving out of Colorado, this guy is a professional hitter, sure. and he's been able to do it in St. Louis, in Bush. He's going to have a you know an All Star year, probably going to be up in the MVP voting, uh, and he's going to hit thirty home runs. He's probably going to bat over three hundred right now. I completely missed the boat on this one. I was thinking, sure, if he's there, fifth, sixth round, I'm going for him. I wish I would have scooped him up in the third or fourth round because he's producing this year, and I missed the boat on this one. I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> You don't feel like uh, I've made a huge mistake. Maybe it's in the hot streak right now. We're in his hot streak. So you still feel this way, even though we're in his hot streak at the moment? Well, I think by the end of the year, those numbers are going to be there. He's going to have 100 RBIs. He's going to have 30 home runs. I was not projecting that. And a lot of other people weren't projecting it either. And okay. th- this is where I think I missed out on it. Uh, quickly, Alex, uh, do you agree with that or? Yeah, I, I I I was watching him. He leads all of MLB and OPS in May, and I just think that's pretty amazing. And you know, it's funny. Like we were talking about um, uh, uh, victory laps earlier, and I feel like he started heating up. His, he waited just long enough for people to be like, "See, he sucks outside of cores," and then he was like, "Okay, here we go." Um, so yeah, uh, the, the pace might be tough, but I think you know he's showing everyone that it doesn't matter where he's playing. He's he's still got the skill set. Yeah, I got no shares of him in any league anywhere. So yeah. if he dominates, then I look like a jackass. So be it. That's how it goes. Alex, mm-hmm. give us somebody that you either, you know, was it a huge mistake because you regret not drafting him or because you did? I've made a huge mistake. Oh, I'll do a quick mix of both. It's a huge mistake that I did draft him. He was, I, I made a goal this year. I'm going to spread it out a little bit i have like six or seven teams that are all dailies i want to have a bunch of different people i want to get roster as many different people as i can 
The one person seems like a smart most... strategy for this year, by the way, the way things are playing out. It does. It is. Some leagues are doing great. Some leagues are doing terrible. Um, the one through line I have, uh, I think in the one player I have the most of is Eugenio Suarez. I stand by that that would have been a better pick had he started the year at third base. I really do believe a lot of the struggles are from the defensive shift. He has gone back to third base, and then he went back to shortstop again with Mike Moustakis getting injured a little bit. Jury's still out there, but that has burned me, and I've regretted it. The mistake that I did not draft, I was my home league, arguably the league I care most about. Garbage team because we were doing keepers from two years ago, and a lot of my guys were just garbage now. I said I saved all my money for one final player. I thought I was cute. I'm going to do the thing at the end of an auction draft where you bid on them to reverse psychology, even though you're never supposed to do it. And it was Freddie Peralta, and I got into a bidding war, and I lost him for seven bucks. And it was the one person I wanted to leave the draft room with. I haven't, I have him nowhere. I don't have a, he's not rostered in any of my teams, and it kills me to this day. It kills me. Oh, that I can feel the sting of that right now. In one yeah. of my last drafts, before the season started in Glarf, which I've referenced a million times on the show, the Great Lakes area Roto Fantasy League. It was right before the season started, and I was really starting. I wasn't so into Freddie, but the more I started looking around and doing some research and listening to people like yourself, uh, I bought into him and I drafted him on that team. And boy, it has been it's been one of my best players on that team. That's so. awesome. There was so much uncertainty about Peralta, whether he was going to be in that rotation. I mean, we we're talking about Adrian Hauser in one of our like February podcasts. And yeah, but I didn't I, give a shit about that because at a certain point I saw him as one of these like Patino guys, Patino guys, like yeah. these guys will give you plenty of innings, maybe not starters innings, but they'll give you great ratios and enough to make it worth your while. So that's yeah, you're right. Just, it was yeah, Lindblom until the last week. Yeah, high high strikeout guy who's going to walk a ton, and I think he's had two kind of rough starts this year. But besides that, he's been phenomenal. He has, yeah. yeah. Patrick yeah. Ryan, Patrick Ryan says, "Ouch, I felt that too." Freddie Peralta is money, so that money he doesn't amazing. even know it. Maybe he, he does know it. Know. I hope he, I hope he does know it. Yeah, <laughs> that's. But I, I'm not a Freddie Peralta whisper or anything. I, I caught a break one time and I got him. Good for me. Hmm. Yay! Sorry for you. That's painful. I hey, feel you. Happy pain. to see you succeed. I am. Hey. <laughs> Thanks, man. I got to tell you, though, I'm just as capable of making a huge mistake. I've made a huge mistake. I myself, uh, like I said, my main event team, uh, things didn't go as planned. They're not going as planned as of today. And although things aren't over, there's still hope for tomorrow. Uh, there were mistakes made. And I think I think the biggest mistake right now, quite honestly, and I think I'm starting to regret it fully, is uh, Jeff McNeil. I, I went up mm-hmm. for Jeff McNeil. I love Jeff McNeil. I've... Went toe-to-toe with Is It the Welsh himself on their very own podcast saying, I love Jeff McNeil as he laughed in my face on the In This League pod, which is a great pod you should listen to. But uh, not even the injury, though. He, I mean, a lot of the Mets got off to a slow start, and maybe there's time for a turnaround, but I'm kind of feeling like where I drafted him is the problem because I took him in, I believe it was uh, the top 80, like at the very end there, around pick mm-hmm. 77-ish. I kind of went up for him and I because I thought I'd get great batting average. I was looking for a batting average guy I could count on with multi-positional eligibility. It sounds like a dream, and that has not been the dream. So I, I don't want to turn my back on Jeff, but I think right now where I took him, I could have waited, maybe got somebody else. I made a huge mistake. Hmm. I'm with you. I have him on one of my teams as well, and it's been hurting, and he was a keeper. I have him on like eight yeah. teams, so I really yeah. went in on him too. That's another reason. I, I took him in a lot of leagues. So, as, as was I, I kept him in a league, and I'm like, okay, he he 
you know, in, we thought he had the possibility to bat near the top of that order, and we're thinking, okay, if he bats, you know, first or second, you know, Nimmo yeah. ends up batting first, and Lindor ends up going second. Like, okay, McNeil bats first or second. There's a possibility for 100 runs. This is an amazing Mets offense that we're learning is not as amazing as we thought. We're like, all right, 300 average, double-digit steals, double-digit home runs multiple eligibility of positions and it just has not worked out. So yeah, like to Mike, like I agree with the fact that like, we just took him too soon, especially like top 100 when we could have probably been okay with having him later. Now the, the good news is like, he's not striking out a ton. His he's, he's been walking pretty good. He's kind of gotten unlucky with, with like a really poor BABIP, but also he's not going to end up scoring 80 runs. He's not going to hit 15 home runs. He's probably not bad 300 at this point. He will bet 300 a bet. I bet he still bets 300 if when he's healthy. I just the where I took him is the mistake. That's yeah. I want this to be more of a positional value situation. I still like him. I still think he's a a very capable 300 hitter who makes great contact and I'm not worried about that. But I don't know. I hope that makes sense. Uh Deary, give us somebody else. Yeah, I mean, so I think there's maybe one league where I reached out early and went for relief pitching, and that was when I went back-to-back with Aroldis Chapman and Liam Hendricks, and that's worked out really well. I'm doing well in that league. All my other leagues I waited on starting or on relief pitching, and I still feel like I got a good guy in Amir Garrett when I drafted him, and it has not worked out whatsoever. But I should have known from the beginning that this was going to be a mess. Iglesias moved on to another team. It was going to be a lot of uncertainty in the Reds bullpen. There's Antone there. There's Sims there, which I had always liked better. But we knew that Amir Garrett was going to be in this position. This guy's walking 7.15 per nine, which is just absolutely awful. 7.94 ERA. And I'm like, okay, like I'm, I'm going after this guy. He's a high strikeout guy. But I should have known from the beginning that there was a lot of volatile things within his you know, mix and it has not worked out so far in Cincinnati. He's been an absolute mess. And I wish I would have waited and scooped up guys like Yimi Garcia, who ended up in that rotation, you know, being that back end of the bullpen guy, even a guy like Hector Neris, who I believed was going to be the closer from the beginning. Sure, his he it's pretty rocky through a lot of his, you know, shutting the door at the end of the game, but he still has a bunch of saves right now for the Phillies. So I made a big mistake with Amir Garrett. I still have him on a couple of my teams and I'm just kind of waiting it out. He did come in today and struck out two guys, didn't give up any runs and hopefully he can get it together moving on. But it was a big mistake where I got him early on in the season. That one is long gone. Is it too late? I don't know. Ernie says it's long gone, but I got to tell you, We've all made mistakes, whether we drafted somebody that we regret drafting now as we're in mid-May, mid to late May, or somebody that we wished we would have got our hands on. Uh, Alex, you got anybody else you could share with us? Yeah, last one I'll do is someone that I, re- I have a lot of regrets about him. I regret, I didn't, I took him really, really late. Um, I feel since I write that article all the time, we're drafting saves wrong, that I have to take relievers really you know, <laughs> late. Um, You're trapped. I, yeah, exactly. I'm 100% trapped. Um, I took him really late. I suggested him. And then I had a victory lap tweet about him. That was wrong. Shame on me. And that was Tanner Scott. I really (gasps) felt that Tanner Scott was going to win that closing job. He's a guy with elite velocity. He's got a fantastic two pitch mix for a closer. His command issues looked like they were going to be totally fine. And the guy that he had to beat out through one pitch at 86 (laughs) miles an hour. And that was it. It was like 55 years old. (laughs) And exactly. And I, at one point I just took a step back and I was like, 
of course they're going to have Cesar Valdez be that closer. The dead fish is <laughs> a, a fantastic pitch and he can induce ground balls with it when he needs to. And it's, they know what's coming and they still can't do anything with it. And Scott has actually been pretty whole, valuable in holds leagues, which is weird as a nose fan, but it, it just, I remember the first game he was warming up first in the bullpen to come in in the ninth. And I was like, Let's do it, baby. I propped him up all all off season, and I'm a friggin' genius. And then he didn't come in, and Brandon Hyde was like, "We no, it was a higher leverage situation. We're going to use him a little bit later." And then he just lied to my face, and it, it, so I, I just I made I made I I made a huge mistake. <laughs> I've made a huge mistake. Come on. And he's an Oriole. I mean, that just hurts even more. I'm so sorry for that. Yeah. <sighs> I feel it. But I got to tell you, quick notes here. Two quick notes I'm noticing discouring information. Deary, you know, Ramon Laureano still does not have a stolen base since the first eight he stole. It's been a while now. He stole eight <laughs> in two weeks, and yeah. he's still stuck at eight. I think Whit Merrifield has 12 to lead the league now. How does that happen? I mean, baseball is so weird. We know that. It's a goofy-ass game. You get on a tear, and then it's just over? They're so focused on your base running? Or You could yeah, you could have traded this guy for, like, a huge haul if someone's just, mm-hmm. like, thinking he's going to be Alberto El- Mondesi. Right. That's so nuts. I didn't. I didn't buy it at the time. And then the second thing is Adolis Garcia, a guy that was not drafted. I think it's fair to say he wouldn't be drafted. He wasn't on the roster. He's been a waiver wire fab guy. He's got 11 home runs now already. Throwing with a 295 batting average. It's just ridiculous. And I, I don't really- believe it. It's no, it's it's ending. I'm standing on this hill that it's going to end. Those those inflated arms are going to fall apart. Juice is going to come out of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Deary has been saying for a while, Alex, that he is obsessed with how incredible and immaculate Adolis Garcia's biceps are, but he's feeling like there might be some juice involved. And we don't have anything I, to do I'm with not that. saying We're that. Not I'm saying just saying that. that this guy has a great workout regimen. I'm not saying he's on any type of uh, okay. juice. Okay, all right. All right. Just saying so you're he, obsessed with his biceps. I'm ex- <laughs> Yes, I'm obsessed with his biceps. He's got which some means, Schwarzenegger guns. Which means you don't believe that he's going to produce further, which is an interesting... He's going to get injured before uh, he's probably going to get injured. He's, he's too bulked up, man. Come on. We know Adoles the way this Garcia? game works now. Yes. Adoles when you're, Garcia, that, mus- is this when really? you're that muscular, it's not going to work out. Yeah. Is this real, I, Alex? I, anyone who's showing off power in that ballpark, which theoretically is not going to be a great power, ball, power ballpark, you can just ask Kyle Gibson, Leads me to believe that there's going to be a lot of swings and misses, but there's going to be a lot of power. I would still expect him to get up to like 25, but have that average drop down to like 240. That to me is where it's going to go. Yeah. What is it right now, Mike? Like 285? He's 295. Batting okay. I think what I was saying last pod was like, it, he's more of like a 245 guy. He'll still have the power for sure. Mm-hmm. I really think there's some Rugnet Odor in him. Not to not just because he was a former Ranger and he's a yeah. current Ranger. I'm just talking about the strikeouts. There, there's something gonna Is he still above thirty is he still above like thirty percent right now? That's a great question. I I'll have to double check that, but you can effort that while we move forward from, you know, all the huge mistakes we made. I've made a huge mistake. I wanna say one thing. Chris Bryant was a huge mistake. I should have Given him more credit, I went way too hardcore on the 2020 and the injuries and the trade rumors, which still persist, by the way. Uh, he, he could still get dealt, I suppose. But the guy is MVP. He's a former MVP. And he had a wrist, a hand, thumb thing going on last year. He hurt himself in the field. 
and I should have understood that further. But 2020 was a weird time to get into the analysis game for the first time. I want you guys to know that. Last mm. year was my introductory year in terms of being a public analyst of fantasy baseball, and that was my rookie year, and that's not a normal year. We know that. That's surprising so, to me. You seem knowledgeable beyond that. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I've played fantasy baseball for 20 years, but in terms of that's publicly... Still- Expressing it, yeah. That, that, you, you seem like someone who's been doing this your whole life. Oh wow! Well, that is you're a sweet man. What a sweet guy this guy is. I yeah, usually Mike, Mike, usually Mike just calls me up and he's like, "Yeah, Bryant's got a 17 percent barrel rate this year. That has never happened in his career. 354 BABIP. I love it. Hard hit rate of 43.2. <laughs> so stupid. No, I have my oh. I, no, Mike. I have my notes right here from uh, the other day when Chris Bryant was my. I've made a huge mistake. You were right about that. I just want to reinforce that. We so fucked up. We we totally screwed this one. I don't, we it, it, <laughs> well, no. It's like when you get on this 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 kick where okay, I'm kicking this guy. I'm kicking this guy, and I'm going to yes. stick with kicking this guy, even though it's a year later. That's exactly mm-hmm. what we did. You got to learn to be able to evolve and and say, hey, I was wrong. I'm changing my opinion on this guy. Pull the handbrake, guys, in your own thinking. This is a note to self Pull and to thing. all of us. That's Pull right. the string. Yes. Look, if Luis Castillo could change and flip the script like he did recently this week, anybody can change, and we can all change our thought process. And that's a good, outstanding point. Thank you, dearie, so much. Uh, okay, so before we go, uh, we mentioned everybody that everybody want to mention. I don't want to leave anybody out. No disrespect to anybody because you all matter here on the Hey, it's Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, which is part of the Roto Fanatic Podcast Network, in case you were wondering. You guys are good with that segment? I wish I had more shares of Julio Urias. Um, Oh! I just wish I had more of them. We'll see if it can last through a full season, because he hasn't pitched many innings in the league after that devastating injury, but, I mean, he was a hot name after the incredible playoff run he had last year, and I stayed away, and I wish I had more of them. He struck out over 10 twice this year. I think he's real. I I agree. here. But it's just a matter of innings, right, Alex? Isn't it a matter of innings? Yeah, definitely. But I mean, th- that that number five spot is brutal right now because they don't have Tony Gonsolin. Dustin May's gone for the year. David Price is being stretched out again. So uh, I, I still think he's going to get you 150 at least. Really, wow. really quality innings. Yeah, yeah. Really? really? Yeah. 150? Five so. Who's gonna? Who's gonna? Who's gonna? Who else is gonna take over there? Yeah. Yeah. Who's gonna? I expect- who's, I expect Gonsolin to get in and start cruising within a month. I do. I, so that's how, my how many innings does Urias already have? That's a great question. Let's verify 50, that. I, around 50. I think okay. he's like that. more. He's, uh, he's absolutely dominating lefties right now. Eight strikeouts, no walks, 148 <laughs> average. Wow. 68% of the batters he's faced, he goes to a 0-1 count, and he's absolutely dominating people with his fastball. And he throws his other stuff almost 49% of the time, all his off-speed stuff. So his strings, swinging strike weight rate and chase strike rate is like off the charts right now. So I absolutely agree. He's for real. Yeah. This is not about his talent. This is yeah. strictly about an innings management situation with the Dodgers having playoff aspirations, World Series aspirations. That's my concern. So I just think 150 is great. I would love for that to happen. I would. I want to root for that. But I just don't see them doing that seeing as how he's never approached that before. Totally. I think it's there. I think it's there. That's a great point. You never know really? with them. You never know with them for sure. No, you never know with them. You could very well be right. I will say one thing we were mistaken on that we made a huge mistake on. 
Ooh. Catch Me If You Can came out after Minority Report. What? Yeah. Minority you... Report was that. It was the same year. Minority I Report thought Catch was me you... summer. Oh. Catch Me If You Can came out in 2002, right? So did Minority Report. Oh, same Fuck. year. Catch Me Catch Me If You Can was Christmas, right? Catch Me If You Can was Christmas. Minority yeah. Report was June. Holy ah, shit. I, I was so locked in that Minority Report was 03. Wow. And I, I'm now going to say that that was his last good movie. Like, can I read off the films that he well, directed I, I, after that? I, yes. I, I do like Lincoln a lot. Lincoln was good. Lincoln was good. But I don't I don't know if it's his last. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, that could be Give the one. Us. That could be the one. The Terminal. Not great. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Not great. War of the Worlds. Fun. Not great. Mm-hmm. Munich. Okay. Maybe you need a rewatch of Munich. I think it's overrated. Pretty good. I think I it, okay. oh I don't I think it's I pretty damn good but I gotta give it a fifth watch because I'm we still have a soft spot in our Hebrew yeah, hearts soft, for Munich yeah that's uh, that's true that's I will admit that on the record yeah Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull garbage <laughs> never saw it garbage I ref- garbage I refuse once I heard there was aliens I'm like I'm out well you just spoiled <laughs> the best part um the Adventures of Tintin the Secret of the Unicorn what why did War Horse great play. <laughs> Not a good movie. Lincoln, I can be I can be talked into. Great performance, not a great movie. Yes, that's I, what I, 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 I keep getting sucked in. Every time Lincoln's on, I, I get there's a soft Daniel spot in my head. It's can't, Daniel can't Day Lewis, Tommy Lee Jones is incredible in it. Yes. And like all the other that guys that are in that movie, like really, <laughs> really do it for me. Bruce McGill. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Bridge of Spies. I actually saw it in the theater. It was solid. It wasn't that's great solid. though. It's not great. The BFG. Yeah. The Post. Fine. Not great. Uh, Formulaic. Procedural. Yeah. Yeah. Ready Player One. A letdown. Yeah. A letdown. The book was much better. Yeah. Totally. And that's it. Hmm. Well, there you go. Then you're right. What's he doing next? West Side Story. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, He's working on that. Well, you just laid out a great case. That's how it's done. I completely agree with you now. I'm with you. It's been that long. Yeah, I didn't realize he put out that many movies in the last 20 years that were all shit. <laughs> well, I mean, they're not shit, though. They're like, <laughs> they're fine. Yeah, it's fine. And he's what you're saying, Alex, is that Spielberg is a legend. He really is. He created a blockbuster in a sense, right? He created a whole other aspect of movies yeah. and he has a high standard. He, re- he did fucking Schindler's List and Jurassic Park. I mean, these yeah, are, I mean, how, cool. yeah, I mean, how are you going to beat the run he had of like, I think Jurassic Park and well, Schindler's List were the same year. They were, yes. That's, that's nuts. What's, that's what's crazy, too, is like he starts with Jaws and Close Encounters of the Third Kind before going to Indiana Jones and back to back, then has the color purple, takes a little break for a little while, and then you get Hook and Jurassic Park, like you said, and Amistad and Saving Private Ryan. Like, that's two, two decades of perfection. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. Good point. Shit. You know who made a huge mistake? Hmm. Steven Spielberg. I've made a huge mistake. This is Steven Spielberg. Although I said Spielberg. Spielberg. Hey, Steve, <laughs> Steve Spielberg. <laughs> Stevie Spies. Insane fantasy. I wonder if Steven Spielberg has Why ever made a huge mistake. Insane fantasy takes. Why are you taking that play? Or had an insane, insane fantasy take. I would love to find out if Steven Spielberg has an insane fantasy take about fantasy baseball. That would be incredible. So, quickly, we haven't done this segment in forever. We haven't done it in the regular season, dearie, because, you know, to me, it kind of seemed like it was more of a a preseason hype. Like, give me an insane fantasy take. But it could be done in the season. Why can't it? It's actually harder in season. (laughs) Right, but it's more fun. It's more risky. So let's do it. Let's, Let's go. Let's everybody... At least give us 
one insane fantasy take. It could be about a player. It could be about a trend. It could be anything related to fantasy baseball, but it must be about fantasy baseball. Deary, set the table. Do it. Yeah, I'm going to say Luis Castillo gets it together and ends up with an ERA below 4.5, which isn't that great. But considering his ERA is like skyrocketed to a million, I'm going to say he gets it together. He looked okay the other night. Okay in terms of giving up runs, but he also had 11 strikeouts against the Giants. Uh, He's had a hard time with his sinker this year. People are laying off it, not chasing it whatsoever. Uh, that 87% Z contact is not looking good right now. And he's a he's a below player when it comes to his sinker. He's a minus nine in terms of like wins above average. So that's not been very good at all. He's been bombed twice for eight runs, which has happened early on. And then it happened a couple of weeks ago. I think he starts to turn it around. I think it, uh, the other night with him having 11 strikeouts against the Giants, I think he starts to figure it out. His velocity was down at the start of the season, but over his last two starts, it's been closer to what he has been over his career for an average, right around 93, 94. So I think he starts to get together here for the Reds midsummer, and he ends up with an ERA below 4.5. Mm. Insane fantasy takes. <laughs> well done. That's all it's done. I don't know. I'm kind of feeling like maybe that's not insane, but maybe it is. I don't know. Who am I to judge? I okay, his ERA is going to be below four. Like, what do you want? Okay, there we go. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Well, it's like the first time we ever did this, and I'm like, Juan Soto is going to hit 350. And you're like, that's not insane. <laughs> <laughs> that would be insane. Come on. That'd be amazing. All right, uh, Alex, give us an insane fantasy take, my friend. I don't know if it's insane enough because now I feel the pressure, but you I will would... feel it. Yes, it's okay. okay that's fine. <laughs> I was going to say that uh, Robbie Ray ends the year with a higher ERA than Patrick Corbin. Um, (laughs) I'm going to say that. Um, And I'm going to say that Robbie Ray, if you want it to be more insane, Robbie Ray ends the year with a plus five ERA. Garbage lefties. (laughs) Wow. Okay, that's cool. That's fun. I like that. That's creative. Why not? Let's go bold. I mean, right now, Robbie Ray, people are buying in. He's, He's going to a new level in his career right now. Yep. I'm I'm just not there yet. I think it's all fastballs all the time. I think Wally command is really exciting. It's because it's all fastballs and he's also giving up home runs all the time. He's given up two home runs and two home runs and three home runs. And guess what? Yes, it's nice when there's no one on base for those home runs because he's not walking people. But if he gives up one or two hits and keeps giving up those home runs because all he's doing is throwing those four seamers and the slider hasn't looked like it's supposed to look, then yeah, that ERA is going to keep climbing up. It's already going that way. It's near four. It's near four right now. And some people are bothered by the fact that he spells his name R-O-B-B-I-E. Some people prefer Y. Oh, so people people don't like that? I've heard stories. I'm just saying. I'm not saying it's I me. Robbie Williams spell it. Yeah, he spells it R-O-B-B-I-E. So I'll let people go from and there. And so does Robbie Baseball here from the Dingers podcast. Of course. That must be the universal way. So what the hell do I know about Robbie's? Okay, uh, I'll give us one then. We'll close out the show. Insane fantasy takes. I was really thinking a lot about this. And I wanted to do something related to the Twins because the Twins are a disaster of epic proportions. I think that's fair to say. I don't even think that's an insane fantasy take right now. That's just what's happening. That's real life. And I'm going to say that Taylor Rogers still ends up leading the Twins in saves. Insane fantasy takes. That's not that insane. Come on. It's not? I thought it is. Okay. All right, let me let me modify it. I <laughs> just want to fight. I'm just fucking with you, man. <laughs> There's going to be a Twins closer that has at least 20 saves. 
Okay. Insane fantasy takes. Pretty At this good. point in the season. Okay, that's better. All right, yay! How are the okay. tiger? How do the tigers have a better record than the twins? That's unreal, isn't it? I actually feel bad for the twins. I really do. You picked them to make the playoffs. I don't blame yeah, you. I said, it was a great choice. But but I didn't say that they would win a. I think I made it very specific in that point that yes, they'll make the playoffs. But I'm not picking them to go beyond that because they still have to win a playoff game. Yeah, because right they're going to play the Yankees and they're going to lose. But the, but the, that's not an insane. I mean, no one can see that. I mean, Kenta Maeda, Jose Barrios, they had all these pieces to be yeah. a great playoff yeah. team, and they still can be. They can still pull together. It's, it's not the, May. The issue is still their bullpen. We talk about it like every time we talk yeah. about the Twins. Their bullpen has just been a mess for years. Yeah, the, but you're right. Yeah. It's the bullpen. It's a little of column A, a little column B. <laughs> there you go. Beautiful. That was fantastic. And if you don't understand that, then you should turn off the show and never listen to it again. So um, I will say this. The Twins can't be the Nats. Now, there can't always be a Nationals. The 2019 Nationals started in 1931. And they turned it around in May, right around this time, mm-hmm. I believe. Um that's a 12 game deficit. They're what? What are they doing? I mean, they're like 11 or 12. Well, I mean, the White Sox are running 26. away with the division right now. Yeah, they're they're like awful. They're one of the worst team record-wise in baseball, I believe, and they can't catch a break. And it's all because of their pitching too. It is not their hitting. If you look at their hitting, they're producing offensively, but it, mm-hmm. whether it's starters yeah. or relievers, it's all jacked up. It's just They're 11 and a half back. 11 and a half back. That's they have the uh, not fewest wins in baseball. Right. What's the run differential? Negative four thousand. Um, <laughs> oh, that—that's the Tigers. <laughs> but, uh, it is oddly enough, you're close. It's negative thirty-two for them, negative sixty-one. Sixty for the, for the Tigers, yeah. <laughs> I believe Whoa. they have the worst run differential in baseball. They oh, do. by by far. Yeah. Next you know, closest is the Pittsburgh Pirates at fifty. The Marlins have like a zero run differential, but they're in fourth place in the NL East. That's just a weird fact. Like yeah, they're, they're right. I think you're correct. I think they're six under. As a matter of fact, this might have just been updated. They are the only positive run differential in that division. Wow, what a it's it's a wild division. It's a wild year, and I'm not saying that because it's just fun to say and get clicks. First of all, no one's gonna click anyways. Nobody gives a shit about this show. But they will. (laughs) They will know the fact that when you see some of the, the no hitter stuff. I mean, guys, we it's already we've already done it. We're wrapping up the show and coming to a close. We witnessed a no another another hitter night. A no hitter night. It happened in real time. I'm still absorbing it. It's still going through my my veins right now. It's crazy. So <sighs> Kyle Gibson. Though. Kyle Gibson's gonna throw the next one. Watch. Oh, I love that. insane fantasy takes. There it is. I love it. That's a great Kyle way to close Gibson. out the show. So many great closers. You guys are fantastic. Alex Fast has been a wondrous splendor of true proportions. He's taken us to another level tonight, and I think we met him at that level and i'm proud of it i like where the show went we went in all directions we covered everything i mean we covered life baseball spielberg yes spielberg spielberg yes we did it all and we did it because alex came on he challenged us and he looked us in the face and he said hey guys i'm coming with full bore and i want you guys to meet me halfway we said we're not only gonna meet you halfway we're gonna meet you all the way there and that's what we did together as a unit tonight so i'm really proud of everybody i'm proud of you guys great commentary thank you to patrick ryan by the way he said that uh he agreed that (laughs) spielberg equaled equaled miggy which is miguel cabrera here in detroit oh falls apart in the later similar yeah similar similar saracens yeah so alex as we say goodbye um any parting words? Any uh, 
words of wisdom or things that you want to promote? Because people do promote things, but you can say whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, those bass hits coming out every Monday, I've had a blast doing them, and I'm glad people are enjoying them. I'll leave with my favorite quote from my favorite playwright, which seems to encapsulate what we've talked about tonight, both in the mistakes that we've made and the all the things we've talked about, which is uh, ever tried, ever failed, no matter. Try again, fail again, fail better. Great stuff from Samuel Beckett. <laughs> Who could have said it better than Alex Fast? He's C. Deary 1999, Christopher Deary. Follow him on Twitter. He likes baseball. He likes plays, too. I don't know how much he likes plays, actually. but uh, I've been to a few. Okay, good. Great. Yeah. yeah, We have a great little place called the Purple Rose Theater, which is named after the Woody Allen movie because Jeff Daniels created it and runs it in Chelsea, Michigan, outside of Ann Arbor. So, That's oh, right. Back Purple to the Rose. little, uh, yeah, Harry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Purple Rose of Cairo. So, and Woody Allen. I mean, he's got issues. That's obvious, and it's unfortunate. Um, you know, the the art versus the people. That's a whole debate. We could start a whole another thread of the show, but we're not going to do that. We're going to leave that here. We can talk about that on your movie podcast tomorrow, Michael. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. Maybe we'll do that. Um, but in the meantime, I'm MJ Govier, Govs and Victor I E R on Twitter. We welcome you guys. Palazzo. Oh my God, have I gone? Have I actually gone the whole show and I didn't do? Uh, Gary Busey, two L's, two Z's. I don't Correct. think I ever said it once. Nope, not once. I almost broke a streak. Woo! Good lord, that would have been an awful streak to end. Plaza Podcast on Twitter, two L's, two Z's. Whoop! Utah, give me two. Guys, I'm sorry I let you down on the two L's, two Z's. I know you guys love Gary Busey, but thank you so much for listening. Plaza Podcast at ProtonMail.com. We'll be back on Friday with our next show, Me and Deary, live. And, of course, the Fabulous Sunday Show every Sunday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Fabbid streamers, schedules, we do it all for you. Rotofanatic.com, Rotofanatic Podcast Network. Check out our great articles. For everybody here, Alex and Deary, I'm Michael Govier. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. By then, he knew that he'd outgrown them, and he was all alone. Till the one day when the Royals found this fellow And they knew it was much more than a hunch That soon he would develop a third pitch And his fans would all become the Brady Bunch The Brady Singer Bunch Right, lads. Now, I know there's not a faint heart among you. And I know you're as anxious as I am to get into close action. But we must bring him right up beside us before we spring this trap. That will test our nerve. And discipline will count just as much as courage. The Acheron is a tough nut to crack. More than twice our guns, more than twice our numbers. And they will sell their lives dearly. They mean to take us as a prize. (laughs) And we are worth more to them undamaged. Their greed will be their downfall. England is under threat of invasion. And though we be on the far side of the world, this ship is our home. This ship is England. So it's every hand to his rope or gun, quicks the word and sharps the action. After all, surprise is on our side. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.